Material Components Episode 15 Secret Remedies Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I am your humble dungeon master, Mike Gorgoni, and joining me as always are my stalwart adventurers. Hey adventurers, how's it going? Okay. It's going good! Pretty good! <laughs> Woohoo! Um, yeah. Ready for Dungeons and Dragons? Fantasy. Uh, hi guys. Ignore everybody else. Uh, I'm Olivia, and I'm playing Tears of Cloakbearer, uh, Child of the Outer Storm. I am Elliot, and I will be playing. Uh, I almost said Tears of Cloakbearer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Cherish the Tiefling Sorcerer. My name is Michael, and I'm playing Sid, the Half Elf, no longer a Leopard Rogue. Hey everyone, I'm Reed and I'll be playing Grawl, the Hobgoblin Warlock. Hobgoblin? Really? Is that what you are? Nice. Is that what you're going with? I am at heart, okay? <laughs> I right now right now I, I'm I'm it's mostly like uh ooh uh and stuff like that. God <laughs> damn it. Uh-huh. Um yeah. The just the gorilla. I don't like to talk about it. Speaking of which, I would like to ask the question that I ask every time, which is do you remember what happened last time? Yes. Yes. I think most of us actually listened to what happened last time today. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so much better at this. Well, like we, take it away. We, <laughs> we we hung out. Come on down to Beast Town. Um, we went into the Beastlands and were all turned into animals, and it was great. And nothing bad happened at all. <laughs> I definitely did not mess up a couple of wisdom saving throws and slowly <laughs> thought I was a leopard more and more and more until uh, I did not recognize any of you and I was just happy eating a caribou. So, <laughs> yeah. Live your truth. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we were attempting to get a piece of this like other plane um back across into the material planes that we could potentially close the realm scar with a ritual of some kind that camion sh i almost said showed cherish how to do not really nope. nah. that cherish no. attempted to learn despite camion's best efforts <laughs> yeah. yeah um and yeah michael turned into a or started to turn permanently into a leopard uh -huh. and I started to turn permanently permanently into a reindeer and then I met God and I walked in his mouth <laughs> and it was awesome oh, I had God. the best time that, uh, that is one way to put it yes yep the only way I've literally been shouting that at like everyone I talk to about <laughs> Were you walking down the street too and yelling at it at random passerbys? Honestly, I was close. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I met Andren Jinyi, uh, who is one of the Jarashir gods. 
uh, one, one third. Of yes. Yeah. Um, and he transformed me back into my person self and made me older and better. <laughs> uh, one thing to keep in mind with that transformation that while you do appear physically older and your body has the increased aura about it in terms of looking like an older person, mentally you haven't really aged up at all and your stats as they are haven't changed all that much. So Yeah. If it's mostly skin deep is what I'm saying. I was going to say it will be fun to see if I just like don't age for the next 7 years. <laughs> I don't know, we'll figure it out. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Yeah. Um and then yeah, we went back to get was Grawl? Oh, Grawl was over back in the material plane while we were doing that. I was Gr like, where was Grawl? Grawl was busy playing hopscotch with a realm scar. Yeah. I got good at it, okay? <laughs> Best true. gorilla ever at jumping between <laughs> realms. Because, yes, while you were in the Beastlands, one of the strange outer planes that the realm scars connect to, you found yourself awash in strange mysteries of that place, including, but not limited to, Sid slowly transforming into a leopard permanently, which, by the way, you were one saving throw away from permanently being a oh. leopard. Oh. Yep. Yeah, I was definitely like, hmm, maybe I should start thinking of another character. <laughs> <laughs> you also prayed to, spoke with, and were swallowed by Adrin Jinyi, one-third of the Triumvirate of Gods, worshipped by the Jarashir. You browbeat, then literally beat, then beat feet away from the strange creature of Leng, which is the second time you've now run into this thing. Uh, trading with it, eventually you traded away several of your magical items, and yeah. some of them may have in fact been stolen, but in doing so, you acquired yourselves something called a lawless pendant. Yes. You, you had acquired... Have... Yes, you had acquired two of them, but one was lost in transition back to the material plane, because it seems as though those things might be slightly evil? The impression I Who got. can say? <laughs> it's all a matter of perspective, I suppose. And then, on your way back, having wrangled Leopard Sid and thrown a necklace over his kitty neck to turn him back into a half-elf Sid, you oh. managed to uh, run away from what looked like a very angry Stronmus. Mm -hmm. a, a storm giant fellow with a Dragon Tooth Horn, a sword made of living lightning, riding the most badass blue flame clad furry elephant you had ever seen. Yep. And also he bled lightning. He also bled lightning, that's true. Because what was his name again? Stronmus. Stronmus. Also, I know we just closed that realm scar, but we're gonna need to open it up again because I want that sword. <laughs> no. We also left a cultist in there. I, he did jump in before us, and we just did not see him. So yeah, he's just honestly good. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. Going back through the last session, there were several missed opportunities to pick up that cultist trails in terms of survival checks, but uh, I digress. Yeah. We, we ended up having a lot of other problems. Mm -hmm. It's true. We did not take those pendants that, that immediately. Were... The 
most obvious problem, at least at the end of the session, seemed to be that Grawl was, in fact, still a gorilla. Yeah. Because, yes, pouring your hearts and souls into the somewhat muddled ritual of closing the Realm Scar, you are now bereft of any of your magical abilities, down to a scant little HP, and yes, Grawl is still a gorilla. Uh, first things first, uh, if nobody minds. Uh, Cherish kind of gathers her things back together, just in her, her little shoulder bag. Uh, takes off her pendant and puts it on Grawl. And suddenly you're a Pine Martin again. No. <laughs> <laughs> no! No! I'm hungry again. <laughs> uh, so you take no. off, you remove the lawless pendant and place it over Grawl's head. Yeah. Nothing happens. Okay, great. Yeah, so, then Cherish, so then uh, Cherish passes out. Uh, <laughs> I just I had decided that earlier and then I was like oh shoot she should probably like at least try to turn crawl back but it's like okay I have all my stuff I tried this thing and now I'm unconscious unfortunately <laughs> so standing up from the ritual circle Cherish takes a few staggering steps back towards Grawl removing a necklace and throw, loop, throwing its loop over your neck before literally falling unconscious against your large gorilla frame. Meanwhile... Where do I fall to the ground? <laughs> how, how far are you from the ground? Uh, you know, I'm about almost six feet tall. Um, uh... Expecting I... to turn it back into a into a, a hobgoblin, my hands are up, raised to the sky, just like yes, it's gonna happen. And then <laughs> you fall to the ground. I'm and nothing happens. I'm so standing right there, and I will catch Cherish. Just like <laughs> oh god, you catch Cherish before she hits the ground. Sid, yeah. you are breathing heavily, standing where the realm scar used to be. Yeah, Storm Piercer still sort of tingling in your hand. You're staring down at the blade and where the realm scar used to be, unsure of what you just accomplished. Well, I mean, you know what you just accomplished. You're just unsure how it's even possible. How that happened. Yeah, I think I think I'm just kind of staring, like I'm I'm silent at this point. <laughs> From behind all of you and a little off to the side, you hear Captain Bellwether say, "Holy shit." Yeah, that about <clears throat> that about sums it up. Uh, it, Mike, quick question: Is mm -hmm. Cherish Cherish doesn't have zero, so I don't need to do any like stabilization, right? Nope. Uh, okay. El no, is, Elliot just made the conscious decision that her character or their character fell unconscious. Yeah, oh, it, cool. it's honestly just flavor. I was like. I have one HP, and I just used every bit of energy that I had. Like, there's no way that she's staying conscious. I'm no, sorry. man. Totally fair. I just couldn't remember if that was mechanically yeah, no. a thing. That's just flavor. Yeah, no one is actively dying at the moment, which, you know, is pretty damn good considering what you just went through. Yeah. Way to go yeah. <sighs> but Captain Bellwether will rush forward and help you settle Cherish back down on the ground. She'll stare at Sid and Cherish and Tirza 
and then back over to Grawl with another <laughs> confused arch of the brow, and she'll say, You're still a gorilla. Hmm. A nod of the head. Yeah. What are the rest of you animals? Yeah, uh, apparently yeah. I was a leopard, and I... Yeah. I really thought I was a leopard. <laughs> Sid, you definitely remember the first moments of being in the Beastlands. It's right. o- it's only after you began the hunt that things start getting real foggy. There are yeah. flashes of bright violence and comforting lumps of warm meat, and then after that, things start getting a little blurry. <laughs> lumps of warm meat. Uh, good. <laughs> Come uh, on, Sid's eaten worse. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Growing up on the streets, you probably have. Uh, yeah, yeah. At least it was warm. <laughs> um, Though Sid okay. is probably used to, like, pre-prepared stuff that's been thrown out as, like, excess garbage, like stale bread or meat pies that have been thrown out because they're a little past their date, not raw caribou. Yeah, generally well. not. Um, not eating a lot of wild animals um, in the city, but... Uh, Outside of maybe the odd rat. <laughs> if, I, if I'm really hungry, but you, uh, I mean, even even catching rats or birds and stuff within the city, you'd have access to small fires to cook them on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Um, this is an amazing discussion. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, why is Grawl still a gorilla? How did we? How did we escape that? Uh, I have an idea about that, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. But do I have to roll like an intelligence or arcana check to figure it out as Tirza? Um, I'm assuming it, it, yes. It depends on how big of a leap you think it would be as Tirza. Because I'll say this: this is an interesting discussion that always comes up in terms of player knowledge versus character knowledge. And I'm going to err towards the side of so long as you believe it's in character that you would come to this conclusion, I'll allow you to make whatever leaps you like. If you think you need some kind of role for your character to come to this conclusion, then I would say, do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just not known for her, like, intuitive leaps, generally. Right. Um, uh, meh. I, th- I think it's because Lang or scavenger called them lawless trink- trinkets and said we were bound by the right. laws of the Beastlands. Right. We're not in the Beastlands anymore, so there's no law to break. And, and I guess Captain Bellwether will say the Beastlands. Yeah. That's what they're called. Uh, my question is so I had one and Cherish had one. Why? And did you did you have one, Tirza? No, there was just two. There's just two. So why didn't Grawl get one? We only had so much stuff to trade. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember <laughs> all the stuff I lost. 
We did figure it out. I don't think we should say anything more than that. It's fine. Yep. I mean, I know what it is because I, I specifically went back to that episode. I yeah, don't remember. I, did I didn't too. go back. I was curious. Um, yeah, no, don't worry about it, Reed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, fine. I'm getting sweaty. <laughs> Again, yeah. you you never used it. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Okay. Sid, we didn't feel trading your magical item without your consent and now I'm regretting that decision but yeah I mean I would have been a little upset but I mean you know it's just armor we were sort of in a rush <sighs> yeah no that's fair because you were a leopard <laughs> yeah. yeah um I apologize uh for anything I may have done uh I didn't like bite any of you guys did I or attack you guys? No, no. Okay. Cool. Tirza says uh, as she looks down at the uh, slight scarring on her armor where some <laughs> leopard she, teeth yeah. scored it. Yeah. It's uh, fine. I, I just I came out of that with a lot of uh, uh, blood in my mouth, so I just wanted to. Um, yeah. No. Okay. We got you. Right. Uh, and also, Tirza is going to just hug Sid really quick. It's embarrassing. Oh. Let's not ever mention it again. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay. Um, and I and I think it, it's at that point I noticed that you're a little taller. Um, I'm like, are you, are you taller? What? Are you taller? You were definitely, you were definitely not as like nearly as tall as me. You were, you were like four foot nothing. Um, also, I've been thinking about this too. I think her hair is also longer. Yeah. Um, am am yeah, I so taller? Just, yeah, because you said you were taller so that the cloak no longer dragged on the ground. I yeah. know, but I don't know that because I'm, cause I'm oh, me. Shit. I haven't Sorry, seen but... me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I. I'm just like staring at. I'm just. I'm not even saying anything. I'm just staring at you. You're different. I don't understand. What happened? I met Andrangini. You met a genie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, Andrangini, uh, the god of transformation, and he must have transformed me. Uh, and she, like, gets, smiles real quiet. Yes, you know that Ad Andron Jinyi is the uh, god whose aspects include fertility and transformation. Huh. That's, that's a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good, good change. You look good. <laughs> Because Tirza has gone from the youngest looking of the group to now looking older than Sid. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Still doesn't look as old as Grawl, but Grawl looks like a 40-year-old usually trapped in a 20-something's body. The gorilla's actually a pretty good look for him. <laughs> yeah. Cool, great. Very youthful. It's good mm. skin. Around you, the snow is quickly melting. It's 
not cold enough here to sustain the kind of frozen terrain you'd come upon. It is still winter, so the ice down here at the bottom of the cave is not going anywhere in a big hurry, but you can already tell the uh, the forest above you is melting quickly. The fact that a lot of the trees above you are on fire is probably not helping matters because of that lightning storm that erupted from the portal. Yeah. And yeah, that is an ongoing concern up there. Does it? Yeah, does it look like it's... Are there more trees that are falling into the cave? I know there were when we were in the middle of all that. But... Yeah, it's not actively falling down on top of you. You can see that some of the trees above you are smoldering, for sure. It doesn't look as though a forest fire is necessarily starting, because it was the trees themselves were too wet with snow to really affect that kind of spread. Okay. But there's probably going to be one or two more trees that fall down here before the day is done. Okay. So what now? Well, I don't know about the lot of you, but I'm... I don't know that I can do anything else right now, and it's certainly going to be hard to move with Cherish like this. Yeah. So, like, I guess we can, I don't know, set up camp or something? Captain Bellwether, looking around, says, I don't think we should do that here, if we do it at all. Yeah. You think we should just trek uh, home? I think back? what we just did attracted a lot of attention. And at least in the short term, we need to not be here when whatever took notice decides to investigate. Probably a good idea. I am not so sure that there are not more cultists in the immediate area. It seemed as though that camp was far too large for merely four cultists and their accompanying wolves. Though, she she looks down at the ground now and says, Well, I guess the wolves were also cultists then. <laughs> it's... Welcome to our life, lady. <laughs> um, uh, do you have... Do you think you can can get us to a safe place? You can find a safe place where we won't be found or where it'll be hard to find us? If all else fails, we can make a place. All I know is we should probably not be here. There are... Older and stronger guardians in this forest that will investigate that sort of... And she'll look up at the smoldering wreckage of the trees above, and she'll say, That sort of disturbance. All right. Okay. Grawl, do you want to carry Cherish? I mean, does he want to? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah, Grawl like, look, everyone else is carrying stuff, because, I don't know, he just has a sword at this point. Well, you also have yeah, your I'll... two packs, Grawl, if you wanted to be carrying those, or if you wanted to split no, those. No, I want to make someone else carry those, and then I, I'll carry I was like, Cherish. I was actually just about to say I can carry 
Grawl's stuff if he wants to carry Cherish. Okay. So uh, you are handed two traveling packs, essentially, that Grawl mm -hmm. had in his possession. So you are now burdened with three packs, essentially. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll carry Cherish's pack. Okay. Yeah. So, the three of you, plus the unconscious Cherish, are led away from this crevasse by Captain Bellwether. She will lead you up and out of the granite scar into the the winter lands of the Eastwood. The snow up here is melting rather rapidly. You can see it dripping down from trees and away from the ground, slowly evaporating. It's not, like, magically disappearing. It's melting as normal. This is just normal snow that came from another world, that's all. But, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We so, take care of it, it's fine. Uh, a short hike away will bring you to a small copse of pines which, with low, sagging boughs that are dripping from the weight of the snow, and Captain Bellwether will lead you towards them, and it looks like she's about to walk straight into a tree, but she'll ruffle some of the, the boughs and move them aside and reveal a big, wide, open area that surrounds the base of this tree that is almost completely covered by the, the pine boughs that are drooping along it. So it's nice. almost a natural kind of encampment that's dry and warm near the base of this tree. And she'll say, I think this will do for now. This is awesome. Yes, this is yeah, perfect. Yeah, you didn't even travel that far. You maybe only made it a few hundred yards away from the, the granite scar. If you look in the right direction, you can see where the trees sort of lean in over the exposed cave. Um, well, then we better set up. Um, we probably shouldn't light a fire or anything because we're trying to hide. It's, trying to hide. It, it is also barely past midday. It is maybe only two in the afternoon. You spent a little over an hour in the beast lands and you spent the first half of the day marching there. You are legitimately exhausted for a whole multitude of reasons, but it is also, there's still plenty of daylight left in the day. I just, is it still, I mean, it's not unnaturally cold anymore, but is it still cold? Oh yeah, I mean, it, I is, yeah. it is still the month of salt. We are still in winter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I believe it is the 21st of salt. I'll have to do some math on that just to be sure. Uh, the last day I had was the 21st. Ooh. Was that in Crescent's Edge? No. No. That, that was out here. Okay. Then I believe it is still the 21st. Okay. So, yes, you are approaching the end of the first month of winter, but uh, it is still really, really cold, though. Underneath the protection of this tree and between your body heat and just the covering, you generate a lot of heat in this place. It's like a natural igloo, almost. That's nice. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I will, like, start laying out, like, a bedroll for, for Cherish to okay. lay, lay on and yep. get, get her all set up. You definitely notice that uh, Grawl had a spare bedroll on that second pack of his, so you could probably lay out both of those to uh, make a nice, comfy 
Matt for Cherish. Yeah. I'm going to do it because he can't say no right now. <laughs> Cherish, like, Cherish, like, looks over as he's, as he's doing it and, like, sees his un- unpleased face and just, like, glares right back to him and does it anyway. <laughs> Okay. I do the thing. I do the thing where uh, I, I look mad at you. You look mad at me, and then I rotate my full body while crisscross, <laughs> and then just turn my back to you. Okay, I get our unconscious friend set up on this <laughs> bed roll, double bed roll. Okay. Uh, and then do we do we want to uh, meet out? watch shifts uh captain bellwether you're probably gonna have to go first and she says oh that's all well and good um it just depends on how long you intend to rest for i don't know guys i'd like a long rest but i don't necessarily need one i suppose i i didn't really like think about how long I should or would be unconscious, so Cherish, we'll say that you're slowly coming to as the camp is being set up, because you find yourself in a, a much warmer climate than you expected to be. So Fair you're enough. you're sort of coming to consciousness thinking like, oh, am I back in a bit nope, nope, I'm under a tree. Nope. Alright, <laughs> that's fine. You know what? <laughs> Just Yeah, yeah. I mean Again, yes, a long rest would be fantastic, but it's definitely better to get far away from here as soon as possible. And the captain shrugs and says, we are safe for the time being, so long as nothing else like that occurs. I just did not want to be in the immediate vicinity of that uh, small disaster. Yeah. <laughs> we may um, rest here okay. as long as may be. I just need to know precisely how long we intend to stay here. Um, well, speaking uh, on a mechanical level, uh, what do we regain with a short rest? You can spend your hit dice to recover hit points. Okay. Yeah. And some classes recover certain abilities. Like, uh, right. warlocks recover all their spell slots, though I, I know sorcerers and paladins don't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing, the thing that I remembered is that I didn't use every single sorcerer point I had last time. Mm-hmm. I still have four left, so I can regain two first level spell slots just using those. Okay. So. I, better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. So if we want to just go with a mm. short rest so that we don't mess up our sleep schedule. And again, Captain Bellwether insisted that you all bring twice as much supplies as you needed to get out here. So because you listened to her advice, you are actually well stocked enough to where you can spend an extra day out in the woods recovering and not be in danger of starving or running out of water. That's true. So they're both good options. Yeah. yeah, well, then maybe we should just take a short break here and then get as far as we can back to town. Um, what are we doing after that? Because 
Um, Grawl's still a gorilla. Uh, I... I'm thinking oh, wait, the old mate. Yeah, you're 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 you're, 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 you're still laying down, but you're awake. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say we should head back to the tower. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And Cher- cherish, in. cherish every time you try to sit up to talk. I am <laughs> pushing you back on flat. <laughs> cherish, are you still wearing the lawless amulet, or did you give it to Grawl and Grawl's just wearing it now? Uh, well, I assumed he didn't take it off after I put it on him. So does it does it still look gross or is it back like an amulet form? It just looks like some weird twisted symbol, almost MC Escher esque in terms of its curves, uh, made of some kind of metal. You're not quite sure what. I'm not wearing any clothes, so I'm keeping it on. Okay, so gorilla with a great sword with a sick pendant. Sick, some sick jewelry. Nice. <laughs> Bruh. Now we got a mascot. <laughs> Next time we go into town, I'm getting all my all my teeth uh, grilled. Wow. Gold teeth. Yeah, yeah. No, I gotta be way over the top now. Uh, I would say it is possible to do that in this setting, just know where you have been yet. A grilled gorilla with a great sword, huh? Try seeing that time set. Nope. So, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Captain Bellwether will look at you as you're having this discussion and say, you're heading back to the old mage's tower. Yeah. Yes, I... Even if and after I get all of my spell slot... Or, well, I, I don't think I would say that. That's not <laughs> stupid. Um, <laughs> even if I... Even if I get back to full strength, I... I don't think that I know how to make him a hobgoblin again. I and I don't know who else would. Yeah, old mage is our best bet. She'll kind of stare into the middle distance for a second. She'll, you'll see her hands sort of flex and the claws retract and. Uh, come out a couple of times. It's almost a nervous tick that she has. And she'll... No, go ahead. She'll say, there might be a more immediate solution to that problem. Grawl rotates. (laughs) (laughs) Back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Go on. It is... A method that the Bark Watch possess of recovering from certain maladies that can be acquired in the Eastwood. I did not want to undersell the Eastwood's danger. There are many strange and fantastical things that haunt these woodlands. Mm -hmm. Some wounds that you receive in the Eastwood are not merely physical. They're emotional. And magical. Curses, mind alterations, things of that nature, can be difficult to deal with. Yeah. Physical alterations, more so. Transmutation magic is finicky at best. 
but mm-hmm. well, not to put too fine a point on it, but this is not the first time I have seen someone turned into an animal. Okay. All right. Usually, though, when it happens, their minds are gone. The fey magics, which tend to do these sorts of things, they are none too gentle. I am unsure precisely where you all went, but it was very different than anything I had ever heard of. Hey, Grawl? <laughs> Can you give me a thumbs up if you're still of uh, your right mind? Double thumbs up. Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. You are, in fact. Mm-hmm. You... It's not that cold out here. I have fur. It's and not that cold. He only failed one wisdom save. <laughs> and yeah. in fact, uh, he was never great. told to make another. That's true. Yep. And he still has his great sword. Mm-hmm. And he the can still important. use his magic. Mm. Yeah. So. So really, what's your rush, dude? Like, <laughs> enjoy it while you can. You know. People might actually hate you less. But Captain Bellwether will continue. There is a creature that lives in these woods, not excessively far from here. It is called the Kotbayun. It is a a fey creature. And Its stories can cure maladies, restore vitality, remove curses, undo fey magics that have transformed some of my men. Mm -hmm. I do not share this information lightly, because while it is a miraculous thing that this creature can do, If many knew of its ability and went seeking after it, I would have legions of people pouring into the Eastwood, more than likely dying instead of finding a cure for what ails them. Yeah. Well. Of course we wouldn't reveal your secret, as you won't reveal ours. I felt as though I owed you something for cleansing my portion of the Eastwood of whatever it is those cultists were doing. Thank you. I I think we'd all appreciate not having to go to the mage with this. I I mean frankly I I hope that we don't ever have to close one of these again, but what what we were able to do was nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. And if we do have to close, if we do end up in a situation where we have to close one again, I don't think that we can pull that off without knowing the proper ritual. So whether we go to this Kapeyun or not, I do think that we need to return to the tower, at least. 
Yeah. <laughs> or what? I can just go. It's fine. I mean, I mean no, you're not going to go by yourself. Um, yeah, as not necessarily excited as I am to see the old mage this soon again, um, I'd rather have the proper information before we jump into one of these things again. Or not jump into one of these things again. Um, I mean, this is all supposing that she'll actually give us the information we seek, but of true. course, Cherish, you won't go by yourself. No. Cherish, in your mind, a voice says, There are other methods for finding the information we seek. You need not rely on that old crone. There are still... And I, in, in my mind, I answer... There are other things that we could learn from him that we might not be able to get from the old mage. You need not rely on any of them. There are other powers that you could treat with. I don't want to have this conversation right now, Amaz. And she's silent. All right. What says everyone to this cut Bayoon or straight and back? Captain Should Bellwether looks to Grawl and says, Honestly, I think this is Grawl's decision. Treating with the cut Bayoon is not. It is a difficult thing at the best of times. If you have a safer, if slower method, it might be preferable. Though I mean, you would remain in that form for however long it took you to get back to the old mage. Look around at everyone. Like I'm, I'm doing the like the the Roman emperor thumbs up, thumbs down, waiting for the crowd's approval. Hmm? Hmm? Down, down, up. Mm, I think she's right. I think it's up to you. You're the one who's a gorilla. <laughs> there are worse things that have happened to me. Oh, I'm glad we can't hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up it is. Excellent. Adventure. Then that's what we'll do. Very well. I can lead you to its territory. Though perhaps not until tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'd like uh, to rest if it's going to be dangerous. It be will be dangerous. The Kotbeyun yeah. is a fey creature of some interesting predilections. It has strange powers to lull one into false senses of security. If you're not on guard, you can find yourself easily sleeping in its territory. And it is then that the Kotbeyun will strike. Its song lulls the unwary into sleep. That sounds fun. <laughs> Rest now. Find what rest you can, anyway. I will keep watch for the time being. I am not so spent as the rest of you. 
and she will move to the the center of this little overhang of branches and begin climbing up the trunk of the tree, and eventually she disappears through some branches. Leaving the four of you to find what rest you may. Short rest it is. Just taking a short short rest? rest? No, we can take a we can take a long rest. I say we be as ready to go as we can when we come up against this thing. Okay. Awesome, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So you all basically spend the rest of the day regaining some measure of health and then taking a, a long rest once night occurs. The constant sound of dripping snow is really the only thing in the air. Occasionally you'll hear the cry of a bird or the the rustle of a nearby animal somewhere in the woods, but mm-hmm. nothing disturbs your rest. If there's anything you want to accomplish during those short or long rests, so long as it's not too aggressively active, you can do whatever you like. Uh, can I study the amulet? Can I, like, get it back from Grawl and... <laughs> I don't know. Grawl, can you... Will you give this the amulet back? This is oh, a gift. Yeah. yeah, never mind. Okay. I'm very happy with this <laughs> gift now. Okay, so it's fine. <laughs> Thank you. I think Cherish, Cherish, like, has the idea to, like, oh, maybe I'll, like, study it, and is, like, propping herself up on the on the bedroll, looks at Grawl, and just thinks about that whole interaction and how it's going to go, and it's like, nah, I'm not going to get up. Girl just fondling it very lovingly. He's chewing on it just a little bit, just to check. Is this real? Is this real? Okay. No, I'm just, no, Mike. <laughs> no idea. I mean, you said it. Uh. So. Uh, oh, I did have a question, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our healing potions that we had, if we had any, those are gonzo? Uh, no, you so. recovered them. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the Lang creature didn't steal any of your healing potions, only your overtly magical items. Okay, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure how those, how those qualified. Mm-hmm. Technically, so. they are magic, but it seemed yeah. to not have any sway over the Lang creature. Okay, awesome. So yeah, unless um, there's any conversations that I'm need to happen, your rest continues unabated. I'd like to talk to Stormpiercer a little bit. Okay. Um, do you want to do this privately, or are you okay doing it in front of the group? Because this is a small, contained area. Probably only 15 feet on a side. I mean, there's not really any avoiding it at this point. And Stormpiercer um, isn't exactly quiet. No, no. I, I feel like I'd have to go pretty far out to be totally private. Um, mm-hmm. So just, um, yeah, I do. Just a quick mechanical question: Do I need to draw Stormpiercer to talk to? No, Stormpiercer no. can be in a sheath and still speak. You're never quite sure where the voice emanates from. You just know that it comes just out of the blade somewhere. Yeah. Um. I. So, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be away from Stormhaven for a while. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and which means I'm not gonna be able to get a lot of training um, from 
from um, what was it, Cesario um, for a while. Um, the I training wondered... of a swordmaster is well and good, though you seem to be finding targets to sharpen my edge upon even out here in the wide world. Well, it's, you know, I, uh, I'm doing pretty good, but um, I was wondering... I don't know if this is possible, but you were there with my with my mom. You traveled with her. She fought with you. Is I'm is there anything you can impart on me and train me in Cesario's absence? And there's a sense of hesitation before the words come out of the sword. And finally it will say, I was not me when I traveled with Angela. Oh. We are forge-bound, Sid. I became me when we bonded. Yeah, after I stole you back. Indeed. I was just hoping. I Ever since you started talking more and more, I, I, I hoped it was a way that I could, I could train with her again. Even if it's, you know, not quite the same. And again, there's a long, pregnant silence. And then Stormpiercer will say, I do not know. There are moments, flashes, oddlings of the arcane when we are near to those strange places within the trials here, I can yeah. remember. I can almost... It is a near thing, Sid. Yeah. So, what you're saying is the more we seek out this kind of stuff, the stronger the connection, possibly we can tap into something. I, I, am I am I misunderstanding what you're saying? A quest, indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're on the same page. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the plan. We're gonna get to the next realm scar, mm. and then we're gonna like tap into some some weird some weird magic. I don't understand yes. magic very well. Indeed, and then. And then we're going to use that energy. Uh -huh. And then I'm going to learn some super secret awesome move that only my mom could do. And then we're going to, we're going to, and then I'm going to be, uh, is this, are you following me? Does this make sense? <laughs> we will seek out the realm scars. We yes. will learn from their strange magics. And we yes. will become the strongest, most capable heroes this valley has ever seen. 
<laughs> and then I stand up, I point Stormpiercer in the sky, and say, and you whack a branch, and snow just falls on your head. <laughs> and it like I'm about, I'm literally about to shout, indeed. Um, and then the snow like covers me. I'm like, right, we're hiding. <laughs> so, all of you see this happening, yeah. <laughs> and hear this conversation occur. Yeah. I'm not going to dash his hopes. <laughs> He's having such a good time. Tirza, from your shoulders, you feel a sense of jealousy from Sadagar. There is a sense that, like, longing, not necessarily towards the strange dramatics, but towards that uh, capability to communicate so directly. Yeah. I was going to say towards that actually being bonded and yeah. Um, and the cloak sort of tightens around your shoulders a little bit and sort of like a cloaky hug. Oh my god. Because <laughs> if there's one thing a sword can't do, it's hug. It's true. It's really bad. It's, true. <laughs> it's bad at that. It's called a stabbing. It's, yeah, yeah. There is a sense of hugs you from the inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is a sense of jealousy emanating off of Cherish because she wishes that her fourth bone adding was nice to her every once in a while. Um, I think that uh Tirza notices that and kind of fondles like a little. There's like some worn spots in Sadagar because it's very old. And I think she, like, runs her finger across one and then goes back to what she was doing before, which was praying. Okay. Yeah, you're offering up your prayers. And like uh, normal, they there is no appearance of a giant serpent to devour okay. you. It already happened. So. It's okay. Yeah. I'm stormbound again. It's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to be coasting on this, guys, for the next four <laughs> sessions. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, I'm gonna freak out one more time. My silver feather is with my stuff, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the- I think- Lang returned everything except for the things that were either forgotten about, uh, or- Or the things we traded. Or the things you traded. Okay, right. If anything- yeah, I don't think Cherish- Actually, hmm. The silver feather was never even missing. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Lang was like, no, I don't want that. No, I'm not fucking with that. Just a feather. Mm, no, there. That's... it would have... Anyway. Hmm. Yes, anyway, the, sil- the silver feather was no, untapped. I... I'm sure it's fine. I know what that face means. It means I shouldn't worry about it. So I'm not gonna... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Cherish does anything with it. I just wanted to make sure it was still there. And maybe there's like a little flavor text of her like rearranging stuff in her bag because she's stupid anal retentive. Um, and just like, just kind of like almost grabs it and is like, no, no, not yet. Okay. Rearranging stuff in your bag, your uh, like the clothing and stuff, mostly made by either yourself or Calcon, your jar of pickled flesh. Um, again, you're not really sure what was up with that. <laughs> Calcon seemed to be seemed to think it was very important when she gave and it to you. Know you. What? She's the best mom ever. So, 
one of these days you'll have to ask her precisely what was up with that. Yeah. Um, but while you're about that, give me a perception check. Very well. Uh, 13. Okay. Yeah, everything is there. Hunky dory. Mm-hmm. Anything I'm else <laughs> you would like to accomplish during this long rest? Yeah, can I <clears throat> see if I can make any deductions about the fact that we were straight up on an Aussie Dehaka structure? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I listened to that <laughs> episode this mm. morning. Because I kind of, when it happened, I was like, yeah, of course. And now I'm like, oh, that's yeah, totally weird. First time. Give me a religion roll. Yeah. <laughs> the one intelligence thing I can do. Good. But not today, because I just rolled a 10. Cool. Sure was weird. Yeah, you have no explanation for why that would have been in a place outside of the valley, let alone on another plane of reality. As far as you're aware, the origin of the Jarashir is with the valley itself. Mm -hmm. Because the worship of the Outer Storm, I mean, there was no Outer Storm prior to people settling in the valley. As far as you know, and as far as the doctrine of the Jarashir hold. So, mm -hmm. why there was a structure that clearly had just symbolic and structural similarities to the way the Jarashir comport their temples and places of worship makes zero sense to you. Okay. Makes a mental note. <laughs> I mean, uh, why yeah. Adran Jinyi was able to make contact with you on another plane of existence is also something that kind of swirls around your brain. Yeah. Because, again, if there's no outer storm, there shouldn't be the three derivations of the outer storm in a place yeah. where it doesn't exist. You were fully expecting your gods to remain silent while you were out and about beyond the place In of your some worship. some weird dimension, yeah. But instead, you were confronted by the f seemingly physical manifestation of a third of the triumvirate. Which is something that's happened before to, like, prophets and the holiest of saints within the Jarashir. Mm -hmm. None of the scaled council can even claim that they've spoken with any of the three. Occasionally, there are tales and stories of people seeking out the wisdom of Shamran the Wise and eventually finding her in metaphor. In, like, the course of the journey, they learn the wisdom of Shamran the Wise, or mm -hmm. they are transformed by the will of Andran Jinyi, or they bring reckoning with the strength of Ozzy Dehaka, but it's never like, oh, and I sat down and had coffee with one of these giant serpents. <laughs> I, I walked into God's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I walked into God's mouth. 
that is, I mean, there is, there are tales within the Jarashir of like that occurring and there is. But like ancient, ancient. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's spooky. Um, Okay. Uh, Cherish, Grawl, anything you would like to? Uh, I think Cherish definitely is, uh, you know, writing stuff down in her, her little, uh, her notebook, just taking notes about stuff that's happened and observations. Okay. Um, sounds good. Other than that, your long rest goes off without a hitch. Get all your hit points back, you get your spell slots back. Woo! Grawl, you are still a gorilla. You can't sleep that one off. (laughs) Can't. Yeah, that one doesn't sleep off. Gosh dang it. It's fine. It's fine. I'll be fine. You do your watch rotation as normal. There is no disturbances in the night. You hear the sounds of owls. If anything, Captain Bellwether lets all of you sleep a little bit longer than maybe she should. She stays up quite a bit longer than the rest of you and manages to give you all a a lot of rest. Because yeah, it looked like you needed it. <laughs> yeah. In the morning, you break camp, pack everything back up. Um, what is the distribution of gear now that you don't have to carry an unconscious person? Uh, yeah, I take my stuff back. Mm-hmm. I give Grawl his stuff back. Okay. So, Grawl gets his two packs back, and you all get make way for the rest of the day. Um mm-hmm. And Captain Bellwether begins leading you east, away from the Granite Scar, past it, into truly untamed wilderness. You're moving through this large primeval forest, and as you do, the captain begins telling you more and more about the the Cop Bayoon and what is involved in this process. It is a fey creature that is of wild temperament. She gives you a little background that When magic went mad and the valley became the only safe place for creatures in the world, even the fae fled to this place and were given sanctuary by the old mage. So any that were found their way to the valley of the Tempest Rest eventually made their home in the Eastwood or some other locations. There are certain like water fairies and stuff that live in Lake Quelio and along the rivers, but for the most part, the majority of the fey creatures live in the Eastwood and make their bastions of power here. Yeah. Kapayun is one of the wild fey. It doesn't serve any of the arch fey. So, it makes deals and makes uh, its living, essentially, by curing those who have been cursed by different fey curses. Um... Very rarely does it treat with mortals, though the Barkwatch has long ago learned the trick of this, and that is by somehow, usually through your own guile, there's no sure method, unfortunately, you must convince the Kotbayun to tell you a story. To do this requires, one, reaching the Kotbayun's territory without getting murdered by something else in the Eastwood, which is already a dangerous prospect. Yeah. Two, searching the Kotbayun's territory for this creature and not 
being ensnared by its powers, because it is rather merciless when it comes to mortals wandering into its territory. It feels no compunction about lulling them into an enchanted sleep and then killing them while they sleep. Horrifying. Okay. Yep. And then three, it's coming face to face with this creature and then convincing it to tell you a story. Because if you listen to a story told by the Katbeun, you will be healed of whatever malady you possess. Hey. Um. That's cool. So, so if anybody has any maladies they didn't feel like mentioning beforehand, it doesn't matter. We're good. <laughs> We're good. We got it covered. So, and heads up. Captain Bellwether will shake her head and say, no, no, you don't understand. It is only one. Uh, one person must convince the Kotbeyun to tell you a story. And it can only oh, heal one person at a no. time. So... Grawl has to convince the Kotbeyun to tell him a story or, without being able to Or talk. we have to convince the Kotbeyun to tell Grawl a story. Oh, oh, well, then okay. that's fine. Okay. We can figure All that right. out. <laughs> I was a little worried. I uh, don't know sign language. <laughs> hey, neither does Grawl. <laughs> no, thieves can't. Which mm. has an element of sign language. Mm. I guess I do know thieves can't. Let me write that down. So, eventually, you break from the snow, and you are moving just through bitterly cold evergreen pines and uh, larger trees. There isn't a ton of underbrush in this chunk of the woods. Occasionally, you'll get the cool breeze coming off of the lake moving through the woods here. You're still relatively close to Lake Quelio, and the Eastwood is gigantic. So, at most, you're only three or four days out from Crescent's Edge, though... That means you're only breaching into the the smallest sliver of the Eastwood, not even close to the densest sections of this place. So, all considered, this area of the wood is still fairly tame by comparison, and Captain Bellwether's sort of giving you pointers every now and then as you move through the wood. Her mere presence makes it easier to move through these terrain, so you're not necessarily hindered by whatever natural hurdles you might come across. It's useful to have a ranger while trekking through the woods. <laughs> Eventually, you come to something odd, and that is a large standing stone in the woods. It is covered in moss and seems to have carvings on it, though those carvings have been almost totally destroyed by time. There's just thin indentations in the moss where the rock is slightly decreased in volume. And Captain Bellwether will bring you to a stop and say, This is the edge of the Kotbeyun's territory. Beyond here, you must be especially on your guard. Uh... What does it look like? What are we looking for? Oh, that's a good question. That is part of the problem, actually. Uh. The Kotbeyun has the ability to become invisible and create clouds of fog which can hinder your sight. Uh oh. Hmm. It is rarely seen. I do not, in fact, know what it looks like. I have only been here once before myself. 
Okay, well then, you're right. We do need to be extra careful. Yeah. Strange clouds of fog and are something to watch out for, as well as if you begin to hear singing of any kind, alert those around you. All right. Grawl, as you cannot speak, perhaps traveling near the center of the party would be best. We do not want you picked off in the rear. She has a point. Yeah, I can take the rear. Be wary as well, though. The Kotbeyun, while it does not serve any of the Archfey, it does have servants of its own, which prowl this area of the woodland. Murderous little things called redcaps. Redcaps? Like mushrooms? Eh, they are terrible little men that jump around and stab you to death with knives and then dip their hats in your blood. So, so, no, not like mushrooms. Like mushrooms. so not like mushrooms. Not like mushrooms at all. <laughs> they also look exactly like mushrooms too. It's crazy. <laughs> so, if you are set on this course, we will begin. Yeah, why not? Okay. So as you press forward, moving past the large standing stone, you enter the territory of the Kotbeyun, hopefully in search of a cure for your gorilla-bodied friend. And I think it is there that we will take our break, and when we return, perhaps you shall find yourself a hobgoblin in place of a gorilla. Greetings, my friends. Omatep Duskwalker here, owner and proprietor of Duskwalker Import and Export TM. Here today to talk to you about a very important and pressing subject, the trickery of fairies. Now, fairies come in all shapes and sizes, from the lowliest of pixies to the greatest of the great, the Archfey. Like, you know, the Bear Kaiser, the River King, the Prince of Fools, the Queen of Air and Darkness, long may she reign. What unifies them all, though, is a strange obsession with deals and contracts, wagering what they want against what you need. Some of these contracts are very straightforward, a favor for a favor, that sort of thing. But some can get a little bit more tricky, and let me tell you, when you start bargaining with your firstborn, and when you have no intention of ever having a firstborn, fairies can be real sticklers about that sort of thing. That is why I intend to give to you the same advice I gave to a wily bear man many, many years ago. Do not deal with fairies. Ever. Full stop. Just if you can avoid it, no matter what else it costs you, do not try to make a deal with them. I guarantee you, you are getting the shorter end of the stick on that one. And believe you me, when it comes to fairies, their sticks can have some very nasty thorns where you're not looking. And while I do not like to discriminate, we here at Duskwalker Import and Export TM have had to put the kibosh on all sorts of dealings with fairies and other fake creatures here in the shop. It has just led to too many incidents of people trying to return things beyond their 30-day limit and still trying to get full price. I mean, come on, people. I am a shopkeeper, not a god. There are some things even I cannot do. 
So remember, take it from your old friend Omatep. No matter what you do, do not make a deal with a fairy. I'm sure none of my friends would do that. I mean, they're smarter than that, right? Well, anyway, let's get you back to the action. And welcome back to Material Components. When last we left our heroes, they had come away from their success at the Realm Scar, though slowly realizing that Grawl was, in fact, still a gorilla. I know it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Slowly realizing? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, a slow guys... but subtle realization, and eventually you all came to it. So good job there. A dawning horror, really. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. It took an entire long rest to realize. Yeah, it was weird. Uh -huh. But... Your companion and guide, Captain Lucia Bellwether, has informed you that of a Barkwatch secret, a method by which Grawl might be healed, and that is by the hands and words of the Kot Bayoon, a mysterious fey creature which dwells deeper in the Eastwood. It is there you must go within its territory and convince the Kot Bayoon to tell Grawl a story. And after that story is told, at least according to Captain Bellwether, he will be cured of this curse, disease, malady. You're not sure. But that is your mission, should you choose to accept it. And you have come to the edge of the Kotbeyun's territory and are now pressing deeper in. So, what is your marching order? Uh, I'm assuming Bellwether is first. Bellwether yeah, is the leading the way. I will be second. Okay. And I will be behind Grawl. Alright. So our marching order is Captain Bellwether, followed by Tirza, followed by Grawl, followed by Cherish, followed by Sid. Yes. Excellent. So, as you begin stalking through the woods, Captain Bellwether says that the, the trick here is to find the Katbeyun before the Katbeyun finds you. And at the same time, you must seek to either avoid or overcome its minions, murderous little monsters known as Redcaps. So as you are all trekking through these woods, I need everyone to make perception checks. Uh, I'm also yeah. just going to say that my shield is out. Okay. Yeah, my sword is definitely drawn at this point. I mean, I'm walking with my sword always in one hand, so. Well, I hope you guys did good, because I just rolled a nap. Nice. Uh, 17. Cool. Very nice. Uh, animal instincts. I got 12. Cool. Not real well. Cherish, what did you get? Uh, 13. 13. All right. So... Grawl, as you are moving in the middle, you are looking about your heightened ape senses, your eyes darting about, your stuffed-up nose sort of flaring every once in a while. And you can tell that there is an immediate difference in the woodlands you are now in. The, the air here just seems to have an electricity to it. And as you breathe in, it's it smells more like uh, the aftermath of a rainstorm. Dirt and wood just full of life and the need to grow. Something about 
the air here is just rich with possibility. And it is with that sense as you look around that you begin noticing the strange symbols carved on trees as you make your way deeper into this area. The rest of you really only notice that there is a slight decline in the not road, but uh, path you are following. There isn't so much a path as Captain Lucia is leading you down game trails. Kind of easier ways of navigating through the woods, not having to move over log jams or big gnarly bushes. And you notice that you're moving into a slow depression in this area. Do you continue moving, Grawl? Or do you point out the... I'm gonna... I'm gonna like stop in front of Sid's in the back, right? Sid and Cherish are behind you. Okay, I'm just gonna stop. You're probably gonna bump into me. And mm -hmm. I'll just point. Yeah, I bump into Cherish. Uh, can I make uh, once he's pointed out those symbols? Can I make an Arcana check? Uh, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> Good. Uh huh. Okay. Good. Anyway. <laughs> whenever, whenever you feel like it. Whenever I feel like oh it. Uh, let's do it. Uh, uh, sixteen. Okay. Did you take advantage on that? I did. Okay. What languages do you speak? I speak six languages. Um, I, I speak asked. in f what? That's why I asked. Uh <laughs> no no. It's 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 a reference to a musical called the uh <laughs> no. Uh anyway, I speak uh infernal draconic common orc goblin elvish and dwarfish. Okay. Looking at the symbols, you think they're maybe vaguely elvish, but that's not a script you recognize. Okay. Sort of like the difference between Japanese and Korean. They look very similar, but you don't know what they say. Can we ask if Captain Bellwether knows what they are? It, sorry. Yes. Captain Bellwether, do you do you know what these are? And she'll pause as your voice breaks the silence. And she doesn't flinch, but she definitely looks around very quickly. But then she'll focus on the, the runes and the trees. And she'll say, Ah, yes. We in the Barkwatch call this Fey Sign. It's um, written in their language. I don't know it. But whenever you see these marked on trees, you know you're in the realm of some kind of powerful Fey. Mm -hmm. Because cool. as you study the markings, you realize pretty quickly that they're not actually carved into the trees. They just seem to be depressed into the bark. Interesting. Hmm. Do they uh, say yeah. anything in particular? Or, or? None of you can... I don't... I, well, don't, yeah. I do oh, not believe I, any I of you can sure. read the languages. Yeah, I wasn't sure if Bellwether knew it. But... No. Um, oh, never mind. Yeah, I think we should just continue then. Yeah. Okay. Moving forward, you slowly press in. You begin seeing more and more of these signs, and if you keep an eye out for them, you can 
see them carved into, it looks like very specific trees after a while. You can almost see a pattern to it, but it's tough to precisely make out. There are certainly repeating symbols here, though you don't know what they say, but they repeat ever so often, and you're sort of tracking the the overall shape of what these symbols are in comparison to which trees they are on. So as you're moving, you're not moving in a straight line, you're sort of winding through these woodlands, and you see sort of within the little wedge of this, if you wanted to call it a large circle, the small bit of radius that you're moving through, you begin seeing this pattern, and it might be some kind of large spiral shape, but it's tough to tell from just the little you see. And as you're moving again, Grawl, you're the first to pick up on this. You turn suddenly as you hear a slight clank, 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 clank somewhere off to your right and above you. Well, do I, I, I'm going to look up and look for it. Do I see anything? You look up and you see nothing and the sound quickly vanishes. Mm. It's very faint. It was like the, the sound of metal slapping on metal. Like someone jangling a bag of nails together. Okay. I'm going to point to, like, uh, my ears, everyone, just like... Yes. And point your, to the hair, your hair looks very nice today. I agree. Mm-mm. Point at the, my ear, specifically, and then point at... <laughs> this really isn't the time. I don't know what he's saying. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and Captain Bellwether will say, We don't hear anything. I'm sorry. Okay. Is it music? Nope. No. It, yeah, you didn't hear singing, right? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, let's well. just keep our ears open. So as you continue to move forward, you... The ground beneath your feet slowly, like I said goes down, and you seem to be entering a large bowl in the woods. Before too long, you've maybe covered about a mile, and you notice a thin mist beginning to carpet the ground at your feet. Ooh, this is Captain, one of the things we were looking for. Captain mm -hmm. Bellwether definitely stops as you're approaching. The, the light of the day is still fairly bright. You got here probably before noon. Yeah. And there's no harsh overcast to block out the sun. So the mist carpeting the ground here is odd. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to just pull out a javelin. I just have. I'm, yeah. Okay. Just, gonna, just to have. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think we just keep following Captain Bellwether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She does she seem to, she seems to like know where she's going or what she's doing. She is sort of just leading you towards the center of this place. She knows you are in the Kotbeun's territory and right now you are sort of hunting for it. You don't exactly know where it is within this area, but it is somewhere here. Mhm. Mm If anyone would like to make any further skill attempts at trying to find this thing, whatever you want to do, 
Uh, you may try that now, because guess what, people? It's time for a skill challenge to find the caught Bayoun. So, to remind our listeners about these skill challenges and how we do them, each of you will pick a skill you are proficient with that you think will help find the caught Bayoun. You may apply that skill however you wish. Narratively, it is up to you to figure out precisely how you think you can help with the caught Bayoun hunt. in perception so that makes sense so Sid you would like to use perception within the skill challenge yes alright so Sid as you're in the rear you will be using your keen perceptive eyes to try to track the whereabouts of this creature um, I am going to do the exact same thing because I'm also uh, you know, proficient in perception, and I'm gonna rule that it, I have gonna use my animal instincts to help find another animal thingy thing. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Uh, I got. We... Sorry. What oh, saying? I was just gonna ask. So last time we did this, we didn't all pick at once. Right. Just should we do that? It's up to you. I'm going to hold mine. Okay. For now. Uh, I rolled a 19 on perception. Cool. So, moving through the woodlands, Sid at the rear, you begin making out the pattern of this, the symbols on the trees. Mm -hmm. Looking around, you've been moving in a serpentine pattern towards the bottom of this bowl. The mist is now coming up to about the knees, and you can see at certain points within the pattern of these symbols, you can tell that the mist is getting thicker or thinner depending on where you pass through certain trees. Basically, when you pass through certain almost gates of these symbols between two separate sections of trees, the mist will become thinner or thicker. And as you watch it in the distance, you can it doesn't look any different. But when you pass through these sort of checkpoints in the trees, the mist becomes perceivably thicker around you. Okay. So I can, like, help us stay out of the more fog-laden areas. Or head towards areas of thicker fog, either way. Right. Well, it depends on what we want. Uh, I communicate. So I base I communicate that to Bellwether specifically. Okay. She doesn't necessarily know what to make of that in either direction. Uh, she was never told about the Kotbeun being in sections of greater or lesser fog. She knows it's within its power to create this fog bank, but she doesn't know precisely whether it prefers to be in the thinner or thicker portions. Okay. Um, I am going to... Oh, Reed, did you... Oh, no, go for it. Okay. Um, I'm going to use Arcana um, to see if I know anything more about either, like, a, a, like a cop Bayoun or about fake creatures to, like, be like, oh... You know, they're tricksy, so, like, this would probably be a habit of theirs, like, to find it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Give, give me an arcana check to roll for face stuff. Roll for face stuff. 
only Captain Guru were here. Right? <laughs> He'd be beating up every tree. <laughs> I don't have time for that. 19. Okay. In your studies over the years, you've learned a bit about the Fae. They are a staple in the valley, if not mm -hmm. a, a constant. They are a source of high magic in certain areas. You know that in areas where what's called an Archfey dwell, they are considered locuses of power. That's where you can draw in a ton of energy, though those particular Archfey don't necessarily take kindly to you using their wellsprings of power. <laughs> Lesser Fey and Wild Fey tend to have smaller versions of that, whereas an Archfey might have a domain that stretches for miles in a ton of directions, or control whole swaths of the forest. Wild Fey and Lesser Fey Lords, something like the Katbayun, that according to Captain Bellwether, sort of works independently, might only control a patch that's maybe a few hundred yards wide. Mm -hmm. Within that patch, they have a ton of power, though. So, what its preferences are, are mostly going to be staying within this plot, and specifically, based on what Captain Bellwether has told you, it's going to try to take you by surprise. Mm -hmm. So, trying to outthink this thing might be your best bet. So, if you were to be led into a trap, that is where it's expecting you to go. Okay. Who is next? So, we want to head into traps? Is that what I'm getting from this explanation? Kind, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I think Cherish like isn't like super sure of of herself saying that, but like you know, if if we can if we can f sort of spot out a trap and get caught on purpose, then we might have something there. Okay. Okay. Look up the definition of a skill really quick. Read? Are you yeah. um, percepting still? I mean, what do you mean by definition of a skill? Um, I just am thinking about if I can use my proficiency in stealth, uh, re like walking into a chat that we know about. I guess. Um. Yeah, I I, I would accept that. Okay. Basically, you're trying to be sneaky enough to know precisely where the trap is and walk into it. Yeah, without getting, like, caught, caught. Sure, 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 sure. So this is more about the knowledge of ins and outs of stealth, not necessarily of being stealthy per se. Yeah. So what we're going to do, actually, is a, uh, a variant rule on the skills, which I... Uh, Love to implement, but rarely do. And that is, you'll be using the proficiency you get for the stealth skill, but not your dexterity score, because that's not necessarily what you're attempting to do with stealth here. I would say use your wisdom modifier with your proficiency bonus. So you're making a wisdom stealth roll. It's the same as my dexterity. Well, but... then it doesn't make a difference, but... It's cool, 
still fun. Uh, okay. Do I – so question, because mm -hmm. I'm not using this as a physical stealth skill, do I still have disadvantage because of my armor? No, you don't. Oh, yes. That's good. Good news, kids. Uh, 16. Okay. Uh, as Sid is pointing out where the fog is getting thicker and thinner, you begin to realize that, yeah, in those – thick patches of fog there are trees specifically leaning into certain areas with branches that could very easily be climbed and uh, leapt off of basically near just above the head height so if something was waiting for you it would be in those thicker patches of fog and specifically around those trees that have branches just above the heads okay I will direct everyone if you were going to sneak and try to trap somebody, that's where it would be. Okay. okay. So, Grawl. Okay. Um, I Do I hear... Uh, I was going to say, I was the only one to hear the metal clanking thing again. Yes. Okay. I'm going to see if I can, like, isolate any sort of, like, like sound or anything like that. Um Within the fog. With some kind of perception check? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's an 18. Four, so 22. Damn, Ooh. okay. Uh, four out of five on this skill challenge. Way to go, guys. Uh, so, uh, as your... What do your ape ears hear? And <laughs> you listen in with your big old gorilla ears out in the distance. You can tell that the, the little clanking that you picked up on when you really listen for it, you can hear it again, and they seem to be lurking in the thinner areas of the fog. If you had mm -hmm. to guess, you would kind of say that they're more out in the the thinner patches to try to drive people towards the thicker patches. So the red caps are up in the trees hiding from you, and they're waiting for a chance to attack and drive you into a deep well at the bottom of this bowl that is just choked with fog. Okay. And as you do, you're realizing all of this, and Sid, you're coming into what looks to you, if you're studying the pattern right, like this is maybe going to lead you towards the center of this bowl. At least a, a large, probably football field-ish size patch of woods here. Cool. And I need you to make a charisma saving throw. Oh, hey. Um, are you... Yeah, everybody's close to me, so you can add plus two to that. Okay. Get your aura on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 21. All right. Sid, you begin hearing this Does anyone hear that? You say that and look around and everyone's just shaking their head. I hear a humming. <gasps> that means it's here. And Maybe. Captain Bellwether nods and says, it's close. Do you think do you down feel... there? 
Sorry? And, Captain uh, Bellwether? She'll look at Sid and say, Do you feel sleepy at all? I'm fine. Hmm. Interesting. It may attack you first, if you resisted its charm. Oh. Well, that's fine. Better me than them, I guess. So, yes, once you pass this pair of trees that mark the center of this bowl, you may be precisely where the Kotbayun wants you. Hmm. What do you do? Mm. Now, this may be um, a little bit later than we should be discussing this. How are we going to convince this to... You? <laughs> I mean, we could have maybe thought about it, but... I mean, it's fine, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> ready to spring this trap, as it were. I'm trying to whisper all of this to them. <laughs> <laughs> to them. Um, I mean, I I was kind of thinking about like going on a like a oh have you ever seen a albino hobgoblin before kind of angle yeah like it's a like it's a wonder of the world kind of a thing like a yeah. sight to behold um, that was plan a anyway okay i think there's something there but, um grawl as you hear this sort of talk even in a whisper you're reminded of the last people who thought that an albino hobgoblin was a sight to behold and how mm -hmm. they locked you into a cage and tried to hunt you for that fact. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, the rest I, of you just do doesn't... know that? No. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't, don't know, know that. that. Yeah. No idea. Just sitting there, just, hmm, go on. No, this is a great idea. Hmm. Um, I mean... Yeah, how does one convince a fae to tell a story? Can, um... We could uh, also just say please. It might be that simple. Maybe if we're really nice and really charming. And Captain Bellwether says, it's never that simple. <laughs> no, you're, you're probably right. Everyone give me perception checks. Ooh, not 20 10, oh. uh, 10. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm contemplating all the ways that I can try to convince this cat to turn crawl back to a hobgoblin uh, 16 16? yeah crawl? Uh, I got a 17 17 mm -hmm. Ooh. Captain Bellwether did not roll out on perception um and they have disadvantage on this. So, ooh, that's still pretty good. Um, so, uh, what were our totals again? We got a net 20 for Tirza. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Grawl was 17. Grawl was 17. Uh, Sid is 16. Okay. I have 10. 10. Right. Uh, in fact, even Cherish hears this. Uh, oh, because oh. these things roll disadvantage on stealth because of their iron boots. There is a clanking coming from the trees above you. There's a clunk, 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 clunk. And you all look <sighs> up, and even Captain Bellwether, who rolled real bad, sees this. Uh, you, stare, you look up and kind of 
lurking on a tree branch, sort of off to your right, probably about, oh, I'd say, eh, like 20 feet away, is this horrible, gnarly little person with a mangy, white, scraggly beard sticking out from underneath a big, red, hooded cap that's pulled down over its face. You can barely make out these beady little eyes that glow slightly red as it's hunched, almost bird-like, on this branch. Its arms kind of drooping down in front of it, and in two of its in its two hands, it's holding this huge, nasty-looking sickle. It's like a something you'd harvest wheat with, but it's chipped and notched and looks slightly. Well, you hope it's rust. It's probably not, though. Yeah. Most notably, it is wearing these big, clunky iron boots that are coiled up beneath it that seem to be bowing the tree branch as it stares at all of you with these beady red eyes. And once it sees that you saw it, it'll let out a shrill little and then leap off of the tree branch straight at Sid. Okay. Sid, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Ah, nat 20. Oh, that is very good. So, it is going to hit the ground like a freaking meteorite. And there's this dust cloud that rolls up from its boots. And, like, the earth beneath it almost cracks at the impact. This thing hits with such force. And so you make a mental nut like, okay, don't get kicked by these things. Avoid that, okay. And that is when I need everyone to roll initiative. Okay. It's not as high. Jesus. So, 25 to 20. Oh boy. <laughs> 15 to 20? 16. 16. And what is your total dexterity score? Uh, my total dexterity score is 13. Alright. 10 to 15? 13. 13 for Sid. Oh, my. Uh, five. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. 10. 10. ten. I got a 10. All right. Bringing up the Rearza? It's Tearza. <laughs> it's Tearza. Bringing up the Rearza. I got an 8. <laughs> All right. <laughs> In classic form. Yeah. So, right at the... <sighs> Wish right... I was still a Reindeerza. <laughs> right at the start of things, we have Cherish. Cool. This thing has landed directly between you and Sid, having missed him with this huge meteor-like kick. Ugh. Don't, I don't like this little this little man at all. And it's got this big old nasty sickle that looks way too big for its body. Mm-hmm. Um, when it stands at its full height, it maybe comes up to your knee. Okay. Um, I'm going to cast Flame Blade uh, as a bonus action, Ooh. and then I'm going to attack with the Flame Blade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I make a melee spell attack. Yes, you do. Uh, is a 17. 17 is going to hit. Excellent. Um, 3d6 fire damage plus 3. Oh, boy. Holy shit. Uh, That's what I like to hear. Uh, 20. 
20 Ooh. damage. Holy crap. Yeah. All right. You roast this She's thing strong. with a, a flaming scimitar. Again, the flaming uh, weapon that you summon is made of this golden glowing flame that ripples mm -hmm. down your arm and coalesces into your hand to form the sword. And as you slash at this thing, it's to let out a horrible little like, Call blimey! Fire and winch! <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Say it again. Uh, and it will, and it'll say, Kill the fiery tot! <laughs> oh, okay. Tart is a little too far. <laughs> and from the trees above you, you hear the kill him, kill the fire tart, kill him, kill him. So there's more. Okay. Great. Um, and I we're still all kind of grouped together, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna move. Okay. So that brings us to the red caps. Uh, the one that you just slashed is going to come at you with its scimitar. Oh boy. And it moves with a terrible speed when it moves. It just begins like hacking at you over and over and over again with this thing. Ah. So making three attacks with this scimitar. Or not scimitar, but a uh, sickle. Um, let's see. A nine is not going to do it. Nope. An 18, on the other hand. Oh, yeah. And a 20. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not a nat. No, dirty twenty. Okay, thank God. So <laughs> I would be dead. <laughs> hits you twice for sixteen slashing damage. As it just hacks and hacks and hacks at you. Woof! That is basically I'm, I'm that's that's taking me down by half. Okay. After the, you have? thirty-five total. Oh, sorcerers be squishy. Yeah. It's usually why they don't have swords. After that, there is a startling cry from above you, and the two other redcaps that were in the trees above you will lunge down. Uh, one is going to go for Tirza, and the other is coming back at Sid. So I need both of you to make dexterity saving throws as these redcaps hurtle down out of the trees feet first. Uh, 20. Cool. Thirteen? Thirteen. Oh, no. Uh, oh, is not no. what you needed. So, Sid, you dodge out of the way again as this red cap hurtles down out of the trees with a whoomp as it lands behind you, throwing up another cloud of dirt. Another of them hurtles down and just slams both feet straight into your chest, Tirza, impacting oh. on your newly emblazoned armor given to you by your patron deity. The Oof. The impact deals... Oh boy, this is a bit... Um, so, you take... Oh boy. Uh, 24 bludgeoning damage. Uh, and, eh. and you are knocked prone. Cool. As this thing lands on top of you. That brings us to Sid. Sweet. Um, okay, so there's one in front of me. Yes, that um, Cherish is attacking, and there is one behind you. Oh, shit. Um, I'm going to attack the one uh, between Cherish and I. Okay. You have advantage on these attack rolls. Yeah. Grawl, you are on deck, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me figure out what I want to do after that. 
Oh, so close to being close. Um, <laughs> is not concentration either. It's going to be 25. 25. Holy crap. Um, You shish kebab this thing. Oh, no, no, sorry. It's not 25 damage. It's 25 to hit. Oh, 25 does hit. Yes. And we'll see. We'll see about the 20. Yeah, I mean, you do have sneak attack, so. Yeah. Friggin' rogues. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, Storm Piercer. Let's. <laughs> oh, that's not spells. Our quest starts today with this little fucker. <laughs> Stormpiercer says, I don't know if that's entirely necessary. <laughs> he attacked our friends! Fair enough! Zounds! <laughs> Indeed! Um, oh, that could have been better. Um, so that's gonna be... Wow, that is not good. Um... What do we got? 16. Uh, 19. 19, alright. So it's not looking good, but it is still kicking. And you know that um, is still bad. Yes, yeah. and I would like to use um, my bonus action to not be in between two of them. Okay, so you kind of want to circle it. around? Yeah. Okay, that doesn't stop them from doing the same thing and repositioning, but for now, you are not in between two red caps. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to Grawl with Tirza on deck. Um, I want to smack something with a sword. Okay. I want to hit one of them. Yeah. Um, which one's which one's the most hurt looking? Uh, the one that was in between Sid and Cherish looks really hurt. The ones that have just landed, one of which is standing on top of Tirza, uh, mm. are unhurt. Would, well, hmm. I was gonna say, uh, would <clears throat> would attacking the one on top of Tirza allow her to get up, or is she gonna spend her turn getting like? I'd have to still spend movement to get up. Okay. That's, I mean, we're not fighting in a huge distance anyway, so we should be okay. Um, I'm going to take out the little the little dude that's almost dead anyways. Okay, so you're going to charge past charge past Cherish and just slam into the one that's really hurt? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Give me an attack roll. Yeah. And... Oh, that's a 19 plus all my other garbage. And remember, you're using the ape's strength. Yeah, which... Um... Is still the same, I believe. The gorilla strength is 16. Oh, wait, no. In that case, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Cool. Um, my attack then, flip over my sheet. It is like, it's going to be bonkers. Okay. Like, attack wise. Uh, that's a 26. 26 hit. is definitely a hit. Okay, now for damage. Rolling greatsword um, damage. Yep. Uh, so that's ten for attack one. Okay. Well, that kills it. So. <laughs> All right then. You slice this thing in twain, and it lets out a like, cold blimey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, ta -da. Anything else you'd like to do? Um, you really only used like ten feet of your movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I don't have, I only have 16 or sorry, 19 HP. I don't want to get true. close to the, <laughs> the other dudes. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me enough. squishy. I'm a squishy ape. All right. So you're staying where you are? Yeah. Okay. That brings us to Tirza. You have a red cap on your chest and you are on the ground. That's cool. I'm going to uh, cast command. Uh, and I'm going to cast it at second level, meaning Ooh. I'm going to target both of them. Okay. What is the saving throw for command? Uh, it is... I'm pretty sure it's wisdom. Let me double check. I think you're right, but I would appreciate you double checking. Thank you. Sorry, I had it open and then I closed it. Uh, wisdom, yes. Okay, and what is the DC on this? It's 13. Oh my, okay. So... The one on your chest fails, and the the one that is standing where Sid used to be uh, rolled a natural 20, so... Ah, oh. that little bastard. What is your one-word command? Uh, it's to the... The one that failed was the one that's on top of me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she just looks up at it, and she goes, You better run before I get up. So, run... Yeah, flee. Yeah, and uh, the red cap on your chest. Uh, I read. Uh, let me look up command really quick. Does it have to? It has. It has to get as far away from me as it can on its turn. On its on its turn, though. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yes, I believe so. Okay. It yeah it has to spend its action getting as far from me as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's on its next turn. So for now, it's staying where it is, unless you want to physically move it. Uh, which you used your action to command, so presumably not. Mm. No. Um, the one that saved will say, Piss on that, I'm making my hat more red! <laughs> That's so cute! <laughs> gonna stab ya, gonna cut ya, gonna bleed ya! Still cute? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't um, see their faces, right? It's just a hood covering their face. And then they've got these scraggly the white beards that are kind of like mangy and plaited a little bit. And they've got these beady red eyes that glint almost like gemstones. And yeah, this cap hood kind of coming down. And the hood looks like it might have been white once, but these ones are so coated with uh, red to almost be brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's the, the blood will do that. Um, then I need, let's see, eeny, meeny, miny, Tirza. I need Tirza to make a charisma saving throw. Cool. Oh, shit. Um. That's all I'm fine. What did you get? Well, dirty twenty. Okay, so you begin hearing a slow humming in your ears, but you feel this wash of energy over you as though something trying to lull you, and you just like nah. Yeah, I was gonna say she probably like physically shakes her head and is like, ugh. Yeah, uh, here. <laughs> That brings us to Cherish. Uh, perfect. Uh, Ooh, actually, I am sorry. No, I apologize. It oh, is yeah, Captain Bellwether. Captain Bellwether uh, goes 
at the same role as that. Uh, she is going to whip out both of her hand axes and try to bull rush the one that is on top of Tirza. Um, she is going to go to that. Ooh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah, a couple of really good rolls. So, um, she rushes at that one and deals a whopping... Oh, that is very good. Uh, 18 slashing damage against that thing. Just oh, yeah. coming at it a couple times with hand axes. Now we are over to Cherish. Okay. Um, I do have a quick question, uh, because I have not been able to find an answer in okay. the minutes leading up to this. Um, so the reason I was adding three to the flame blade is because of my elemental affinity sorcerer origin thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says that I can add that to one damage roll of the spell cast. Is that per battle, per round? Mm. I haven't really been able to find... That is for the, like, the, I could the just... draconic origin? Yeah, because like, I I could just keep adding the plus three every time I make an attack that has fire damage. That seems sort of... Seems pretty powerful. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it's like if it that would be too broken to be true. To associate with your Draconic Origin, you can add your Christmas bonus to one damage roll of that spell. So, the way I'm going to interpret that is going to be per round. So, okay. as opposed, so say you made a fireball attack against multiple targets, you could mm-hmm. only add the charisma bonus to one target's worth of damage, not everybody's. Okay. Not everybody's. Okay. okay. That is how I'm going to interpret that. All right. Because yes, but... you are rather. It is rather unclear per the book, so we will do some research after the fact. But for now, we're going to okay. say, as long as it is on a single target, it, you can do it every round. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Awesome. Yeah. So the one, so Grawl killed that one. Um, there's another one pretty close, though, yeah? Yeah. It is right behind where Sid used to be. Okay. Well, I'm going to attack that one with Slam Blade. Cool. Well, again. 16. 16's going to hit. Perfect. Uh, 10. Fire damage. Ten fire damage. All right. Repose this little fucker a little bit. He's still kicking, but... Um, all right. That brings us to the... Unless you want to move some more. Um... Who is the farthest away from me right now in terms of allies? Uh, that would probably be Tirza and Captain Bellwether. How far away are they? Only like 20 feet. Okay. Uh, I am going to cast Misty Step. Ooh, oh, okay. up, to, up to 30 feet. Okay, mm-hmm. so I can just Misty Step over to them as a bonus action. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to do that. And... Uh, the flame blade is a concentration spell. Yes. How long does it last for? Uh, ten minutes. Okay. Cool. And I can. Oh well, I guess I already used my bonus action. So. Yeah. Okay. So I can dismiss it and re summon it as a bonus action. Oh, cool. All right. So you misty step over to Tirza. Yes. Okay. So you're standing basically right next to her. Yeah. 
Okay, interesting. All right, so that brings us to the red caps. The one that is standing on top of Tirza has to flee, and it will do so, provoking opportunity attacks from everybody. Nice. Hell yeah. So, except me, right? Except for Grawl and uh, Sid. So Cap- else. Captain, cool. Captain Bellwether, Cherish, and mm. Tirza, you can make attacks against this thing. Tirza, you're doing so at disadvantage because you are on your back on the ground. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, shit. Oh. Lucia. Oh, God. They were both bad. <laughs> I got a 19. Okay, that is a hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, How about a 14? 14 is still a hit. Oh, good. But unfortunately, Captain Bellwether's solid at 9 was not. Oof. Damn. 13 fire damage. And 5 piercing damage. Not doing good. This thing is limping away, but it moves pretty quick and takes its whole turn to move 50 feet away in the opposite direction. Sort of moving into the thick bits of the mist. That is going to take us to the other red cap, who is, let's see, who is in front of him? All he has left, really, is Sid and Grawl in the close vicinity. So it's going to make up its mind. Um, Grawl, odds or evens? Uh, Evens. Evens. And that is a ten. Red cap coming at you. Okay. (laughs) So it is going to make three sickle attacks against you. Oh, no. Pew, pew, pew. Does a fifteen hit... Yeah, but I'm going to cast shield, so that's going to add five. Okay, so that blocks that. That is a very good call. Okay, (laughs) so that means the 11 does not hit, but I'm guessing the 25 still hits. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you only take one of these hits, and it is going to be for seven slashing damage. Okay, that leaves me at 12 HP. Yeah, still not great, but... No. Not the worst. Yeah. Could be one. And it'll start, like, cursing at you as it's slashing at your magical barrier and says, Quit hiding behind your manka shield! I love <laughs> these little dudes. <laughs> Just neat little guys. Uh, that brings us to Sid. Uh, when he says that, I'm like, well, I'm not hiding. And then I run up behind him and stab him in the back. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right. Uh, nice. Give me that sweet, sweet sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22. That will hit. Okay. Okay. Oh, my damage rolls are not very good tonight. Um. Grawl, you are on deck. Yay. 18. 18. This thing takes that damage and does not appreciate it, but it is still alive. Would you like to move anywhere? I'll stay no, in this. I'm good. Okay, Grawl, we're over to you. You All are right, now flanking uh, with Sid. Yay. Um, so I get advantage, correct? Indeed you do. Yay, so I'm going to smack it with my greatsword, because I don't want to spend any more spell slots or use a cantrip, because... Do it. Um, so that's going to be a 10, which I'm guessing... Oh, that's advantage. 
be a little hit, actually. There we go. That's better. There's a 17. 17 will hit. Okay. Uh, damage time. 6, 8, plus 12. We're attack 1. All right. It's looking wobbly. And uh, it's a 12 hit. 12 does not hit. Damn it. Okay. That's a damage. So you slash. Do I get advantage for both? I only get advantage on one, right? No, you get advantage on both attacks. Oh, well, shit. For every that attack. doesn't help. No, it's fine. I rolled even worse. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no one said you only get advantage on one attack, my friend. I don't remember. It's been a week, and I didn't slash anything. <laughs> it's been two whole weeks since I've slashed something. So you slash this thing, and then you bring your sword back up and bring it back down, and this thing leaps up on its iron boots and sort of avoids the secondary slash. Coming back around to Tirza, you are still on the ground, though you are not currently being <laughs> ridden by a red cap. Yeah, um, you said the red cap that was on me was looking real bad, right? Oh yeah, and it is about 50 feet away, kind of shaking its head, going, ah, what was all that about? <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm going to attack it with my jet. I'm. Can I get up off the ground and then use my action? Yeah, right? 100%. Getting okay. up off the That's ground only, only takes up half your movement. Okay. I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah. I'm going to do that. Okay. So you get up, kind of dust yourself off, twirl a javelin around your hand, and just chuck it at this thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a 24. 24 is going to hit. I better kill this thing. <laughs> uh, five damage. It takes the... Uh, javelin and he's just like oh come blimey but then doesn't it just like stares down at its leg where this javelin's kind of <laughs> sticking out of it and it's just like looking back up at you and it's like ah making this horrible twisted face but it's not dead i'm so mad that i'm gonna whip out another javelin and throw <laughs> it <laughs> so like it stares down at the javelin and its leg looks back up at you just in time to see you hurling another javelin at it Oh no, that one's probably not. Uh, does it twelve do it? Twelve just misses. It zings yeah. past its face, and then it stares at you with this hellish fury in its eyes. Uh, fine. Well, then I'm gonna use. I'm gonna just shout at it. I told you to run. <laughs> and it How lets dare out, you kick me in my new armor. <laughs> it lets out a cry and says, "Tate, running anymore." Uh, that brings us to something unseen. And Tirza, I think you have already made the charisma saving throw, so cherish if you could make me a charisma saving throw as you begin hearing a... It's a good thing so many of us are good at that. <laughs> yeah, especially right now. Um, 19 plus 6, I'm fine. Get a 19. So, yeah. Yeah. You hear, <laughs> the, you hear the soft humming and just like, no, why, why would I? No, not right now. No, I, I know this. I know this one. <laughs> so, that brings us to Captain Bellwether, who will. Let's see, who's still up? Um, She will rush over to the one being smacked at by Sid and Grawl and give it a couple of smack a whacks with her hand axes. Oh, those are some terrible rolls. Double Lucia. four. Oh. 
What are you so, doing? So, she rolls a 10 on both. Actually, she has advantage on both of those attack rolls, because this thing is super engaged. So I'll say oh, that yeah. that was the first attack that just sucked mightily. So yeah. second attack. There we go. She's going to come down on this thing with a hand axe, and yeah, split its skull just, like, right at the crown. <laughs> nice. Uh, the hat just falls off, and you see this horrible, gnarled little... It looks like a potato that grew whiskers and eyes. Uh, it's got, like, brown, dark, r- dirty skin, um, and it's just, like, got these horrible gnashing teeth under its beard, but its eyes will kind of go cross as the axe blade just embeds itself on the top of its skull and it falls over. That brings us back up to Cherish. I'm going to cast Firebolt at the the little man who has run. Yeah. That's what they call him. Yep. <laughs> it's his nickname. It's actually his, his name. I guessed it. Little and now he runs. has... And now I have to make him say it backwards. <laughs> So then he disappears. Uh, okay. Nam Etel. <laughs> uh, twenty-four. Twenty-four will hit. And that is two D ten. Those are my D eights. No, wait. No, these are D tens. No, they're not. I-, I can't help you. I know, and I'm mostly talking to myself so that we're not, we don't have dead air. <laughs> okay, there. <laughs> what do we have for damage? Is it better than three? Uh, it's ten, so yes. Okay, this thing is, is cooked. It looks like it was winding up for another leaping kick, and then it used just roast it before it manages to. Oof. And Captain Bellwether will put a foot down on the red cap with her axe in it and she'll yank out her axe and there's a little spray of blood. And she'll look at the rest of you and say, I think we're in the right place. Looks like it. Yeah. It seems so. I'm gonna go get my javelins. Okay. Oh, actually, I think I think Tirza tries holds up her right hand and tries to summon it and then remembers that she doesn't have the gauntlet anymore and just like <sighs> walks over and gets picks them up like a loser. <laughs> I'm gonna get that gauntlet back. It's fine. And that's when you see Captain Bellwether begin to go Oh no. no. Slapper. <laughs> you run over and just slap her. Yeah. Okay. Um, she immediately just like, ah, ooh, ah, like, ah, I heard it. I heard, I heard it humming. Mm-hmm. It almost had I heard me. It Thank you. The fight. I did too. Not you. Not um, you, girl. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. Well, since we're close, I thought we might need this. Uh, I'm going to pull out a little... Oh, actually, you know what? I don't need a little flat holy water because I have my holy symbol. Um, I'm going to cast protection against good and evil on everybody, except for me. Okay. Um, That means that all creatures are immune to being charmed, frightened, 
whatnot for 10 minutes or until I lose concentration. Till the spell ends, one willing creature you touch is protected against certain types of creatures. Aberration, Celestials, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so as far as I can tell, you're going to cast this multiple times to give people protection? Uh, I, you know, I'm going to just do it on... Uh, I'm, because because Cherish and I already resisted it, I'm going to just cast it on everybody else. I mean, I'm good. I resisted Bellwether. it. Too. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I missed that. I didn't even yawn. <laughs> I'll cast it on Bellwether then. All right. That's good. That saves me so many spell slots. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Just uh, Captain Bellwether? Not a not a certain gorilla. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, especially because he's gonna be the one talking to. I'm not. I can't talk. <laughs> so to speak, or not. Um. Yeah. So I'll I'll cast it twice. Uh. And. Yeah. To do that, it's uh. I think Tirza learned this when she was in the Eastwood. Um, it's like a hand gesture that goes from like the cheekbone up over the temple to the ear and like kind of curves around it. And she, she says some words in Elvish that like words of protection in Elvish. And that's. Okay. So now Grawl and Captain Bellwether are both immune to. Charmed, frightened, or possession by creatures of certain types. They also impose disadvantage on attack rolls by creatures that are aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, or undead. Ooh. So that is very nice. Hey, Probably could have used that in the fight, but I didn't want to waste. I figure the cot is probably tougher to tangle with than these guys. Yeah. So, what do you do? There seems to be no apparent threat, as far as you can tell. I think I think Cherish kind of puts her hands on her hips and, like, says to the trees, Well, we all know you're here, so you might as well come out and talk to us. Gonna need some kind of persuasion roll yeah. on that uh, one. You know, hey, and... <laughs> That's fine. I wanted to say what I said. Ooh, it's really not going to do it. Uh, uh, 15. And a deep, almost sing-song voice from somewhere in the mists or in the trees, you're honestly not sure where it's coming from, says, No, no. I don't think so. Can we tell where it's coming from? Uh, no. I will need some perception checks. Yeah. I mean, I'll do that, but it's yeah. probably not going to work. I will too. Yeah, no. That's an 11. Roll. Yay! Oh. oh, I also rolled an 11. Nice. I got a 22, so... Grawl knows exactly where. Ape ears. <laughs> the wind. Wind? 25. Uh, 20, 25. Oh. And Captain Bellwether got a 
21. Very nice. So, the three of you can tell that it is coming from somewhere deeper into this, like, heavier fog bank. It's probably not super far away, but it's echoing strangely in the fog. Tears and Cherish, no idea. No. I start walking in that direction. Sid strikes out from the group, walking between the two large trees that mark the interior of this bowl, wading into the fog. Visibility drops very yeah. quickly once you do. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna I say I'm falling on his heels. Yeah, like I, I'm trying to get everybody to link arms. Okay, uh, Captain Bellwether does so. Uh. I grab the I grab Cherish by the hand and I also grab like Sid's sleeve. Okay. And I grab Bellwether and Grawl, come on. <laughs> Link arms, I guess. <laughs> That's cute. This is dumb and cute. <laughs> really reluctantly. And as you <laughs> as you stride into the fog, visibility comes down to about 15 feet in any direction. So the person yeah. at the front of this daisy chain can't see the person at the rear. Okay. Uh, and that same sing-song voice will say, My, my, what brave ones you are coming in to my den. Okay, Dracula. Okay. <laughs> pull Cherish, like, a little bit closer to me and say, uh, like, kind of whisper to her. Well, should we... Should we ask it? Should we wait to find it first? I think now is as good a time as any. And a voice from less than ten feet away says, Ask it what? Oh, God! <laughs> Do we see anything? You glance over to where the voice is and there's maybe a slight disturbance in the fog, but you can't see anything. Eldritch Sight. You open your eyes. You open them again. You open your Eldritch Sight. The fog all around you is magical. Mm. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I just wanted to try it anyways. But there is also, less than ten feet away from you, it seems to have been matching your pace, the outline of a creature swathed in some kind of magical aura. It's like looking at the Predator, though. It's just like a shimmery outline. Mm -hmm. It's just not quite right. You can tell it's a huge creature, maybe six feet long, padding along on four long, sinuous legs. Mm. Well, we wanted to ask you to tell our friend Grawl who is unfortunately been afflicted with being a gorilla instead of his normal form, uh, if you could tell him a story. And Grawl, even as you watch the form that parted the mists ever so briefly, just pads off and circles around the group, disappearing from sight. Your Eldritch Sight now only showing the fog cloud all around you is humming with magic. And the voice will say, My, my, my. A story, a story. 
Someone's been telling tales, eh, Lucia? And Captain Bell, there will stiffen. Whoever's grabbing onto her is definitely feels the tension kind of entering her arms. I kind of squeeze her. Okay, what are her hands? Pause. We need to pause this situation. What's her hand situation? What is that? Is it pause? Is it hands? Like, um, what's going on? They are, they <laughs> we are... need to pause the situation. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Boom, both of you. <laughs> she has long, soft fingers that are covered in fur. They have very slight pads on them. They're not quite toe bean levels. Mm-hmm. And the tips of each finger have retractable claws. Okay, so I kind of, I kind of like squeeze her hand a little bit in, uh, just like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm here. I got you. Okay. Um. Um, and then I say out loud, we were hoping the person, we were hoping the one who is telling tales would be you today. I've heard good things. And the voice will say. Strangers come here looking for stories. What stories they tell, what stories they learn. Hmm. Hmm. Perhaps the stories of five young fools who found their death in the Eastwood. Hmm. Doesn't sound very realistic. Yeah, I don't like that one. That doesn't sound very good. Perhaps the story of five young fools who learned to serve at the Cot Bayoun's throne. Yeah, yeah, we're getting better. Yeah. We're getting better, but that one's also not great. Uh-huh, yeah. How about the story of five young fools who wander into the forest and don't kill a Cat Bayoun? That's a good story. Give me an intimidation roll. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not a specialty, but, you know. Well, this is what happens when you try to intimidate a fey creature. What? Uh, 18. All right. That's not bad. There's a whisper of fog that swirls around you, and that melodic voice saying, <laughs> There's gumption on this one, I think. Yes. And the smell of something older, wiser than his body would tell. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Is that a yes? Not a yes, not a no. Come, come to my throne and we shall see. I just turned to everyone else. I think, I, I think we're fine. We're certainly not dead. Yeah. I think it likes you, Sid. Well, <laughs> how can he not? Yeah, I, I step forward. <laughs> okay. Moving forward, occasionally you're led on by the strange little hmm, hmm, as it's clearly circling you, but you can't see it. Occasionally you'll see something parting the fog to the left or to the right, moving within feet of you, but it's invisible, whatever it is. 
Yeah. Eventually, though, you find yourself at the very bottom of this woodland bowl, and at the center of it is a huge willow tree. Its branches drooping just in front of you. You walk into them almost without realizing it. And for a half second, something rushes through those draping branches, and just to your left, you hear this as something huge moves and parts branches, moving deeper towards the center of this willow. The low-hanging branches of this tree sort of like slide across your body in weird, sinuous fashion. This bitter, cold fog that's moving around you is very unsettling as you move through the willow branches. Occasionally you'll feel the slight twitch of one of the branches as it moves in a wind that isn't there. Mm. And usually those twitches are accompanied by a soft <laughs> coming from above you. Of course. Oh, lovely. The fog lightens slightly as you enter the center of this willow tree. This huge, gnarled thing. Think my ta- neighbor Totoro in terms of just like the sheer rolling knots of roots and withered branches all coming together in this huge knot of a tree. And it rolls up into almost like a, maybe a chair of sorts. The knotted roots coming up into a small platform before it reaches the trunk proper. The visibility ranges out to about 20 feet now. The fog is still really dense, and you can't see much beyond the interior of this place. But sitting languidly at that small platform of roots is a huge black cat. It has this wide, almost frog-like face, its mouth coming out to almost underneath its small, flappy ears, It has these huge, wide yellow eyes with black slits. It has a tail that flicks fitfully behind it that ends in a big little poof ball of purplish-black fur. Its long, paw-like fingers are weirdly articulated, and as you approach, it'll lift up a languid, like, think Scar from The Lion King in terms of how its fingers move, as it'll Mm -hmm. pick at a tooth and this huge froggy mouth full of teeth flick out some small scrap of something and then look back at all of you and give a long Cheshire grin and begin softly humming. It'll look around towards Captain Bellwether and then towards Grawl, and it almost looks hurt in a way, and says, <laughs> Hmm, someone has been tinkering before I got into your minds, it seems. So, you've come for a story, eh? Yes. Who among you yes, would sir. hear such a tale? Hmm? Hmm. Uh, 
I say, well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, my friend here, Grawl. Uh, Grawl, would you mind stepping up? Yeah, and I push you. I walk forward and push, like, <laughs> Sid backwards. Yeah. Yeah, um, him. I step forward and I, I jam the the great sword it, like into the ground next to me. Hmm. Touched by strange magics, are you, my pale friend? Hmm. And why should I bestow such a gift on this one? Hmm. Why is this one worth the Cot Bayoun's time? The four of us are bound by destiny to save the valley. And without him, the Cot Bayoun's smile just grows all the wider. It has this amused look on its face. But it is silent. Mm -hmm. Without him, we can't accomplish this goal. And frankly, we just saved the Eastwood from one of these threats not too far away from here. Who knows what would have happened if it came here? Hmm. And who's to say that it didn't? I mean, I don't see any storm giants wandering around. Perhaps not, but there are other things <laughs> hanging about, and it'll twitch a paw, and there will be this this kind of susurrus of moving vines and leaves, and Above you, you'll see this sudden, like, jerking creak, and staring up, you'll see a cultist strung up from the vining branches of this willow tree, its dead eyes staring down at you. Hell yeah. Uh, well, it seems like you can deal with uh, one cultist on your own pretty well. Yes. One. Well, I did have some leftovers. <laughs> um, Mike, do I know anything about dealing with fey creatures from my time in the hood? Did I get any training on that? Uh, your training in that was to do not deal with fey creatures. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, that's probably really good advice. At best, they will attempt to mislead and trick you. At worst, they are doing so in an attempt to enslave your mind and bend you to their will. Yeah. Cool. Standard right. Jarashir practice is to attempt to banish them away from whatever locations you keep safe, or outright kill them. Yeah, I mean, that's always an option. <laughs> Tirza has a odd sense that she could definitely do that <laughs> from <laughs> some, some vague some dream. <laughs> and perhaps in that vague dream, I was pulling my punches. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, okay. 
that's that was it. That was my that was my gambit. So the Katbayun will stare down at you, Grawl, and say, "And what do you have to say for yourself?" Okay. I I want to see if I can do something dumb, Mike. I'm all about dumb. Okay, I want to try and make an intimidation roll, but I want to cast a uh, mirror image first. Okay. So you want to make several of yourself appear? Mm-hmm. And do what? Uh, I want to do the whole bang on my chest and let out a, like, a, a massive gorilla roar to intimidate. Because 17 plus 6. So you rolled a 23 on intimidate? Mm-hmm. Yep. As four grawls stride forward, all roaring and banging their chests in this primal show of beast dominance. Uh, the Kotbeun gets a sort of, like, taken aback expression on it, on its face, and it stares down at the four creatures. And it will say, My, my, my. Such bravado. Such a shame to be coming here with such anger and fury. There's no need for such things with the Kotbeun. You say you are bound by destiny. This is obvious. Okay. <laughs> All four growls give a, a nice, <laughs> solid thumbs up. Um, All gonna... we, I need is assurances that that destiny includes the Cot Bayoon. Well, our destiny is to save the valley, and you do live here. Yeah. I am sorry, child. I do not treat with your kind on general principle. Oh. So has he just been ignoring everything I've been saying up to this 100%. point? 100%. Okay, great. Oh, boy. Awesome. Except I was the one who said we were bound by destiny. Just chose to hear that and nothing else. Great. Awesome. Okay, whatever. Okay. Okay, cool. Whatever. I'll just... It's, I'm going to go get myself a beer. It, it's absorbing <laughs> information that you're giving him, but it's not necessarily going to be making a deal with Cherish. All right. Fine. Obviously, you are blameless in this. The matter and circumstance of your birth are tragic at the very least, but the same could be said for the dashing young man you brought with you. I told you guys he liked to say it. Date the cat. Date it. Make sure it's that part of our Roll to seduce. Yeah. He'll say... And as a matter of principle, I do not treat with your kind, either. And he'll look over at Tirza and say, And you speak for those who are not present. Those who would keep us bound and gagged like 
poor little whelps. Puh, I do not treat with them either. He stares back down at Grawl. And then over at Captain Bellwether. And says, and you I have already treated with. <laughs> and then back over to Grawl. And say, but your show of fury, pale one. This, <laughs> this amuses the cut bayoon. Perhaps for a small favor, I might tell you a tale. What say you? I, I, sure. Thumbs up. Crawl gives a thumbs up. And the Katbeun laughs. This rich, deep. This is bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we shouldn't have come here. Good. Excellent. Come. Come, pale one. And I will tell you a tale. And with a flick of its tail, it will stand up, sinuously move around the back of the willow tree. And there's a small path in the roots that you can now see that maybe wasn't there before, but it kind of curves up in this low ramp around the back of the tree. I'm going to follow it. Go through that little path. Captain Bellwether will grab your hairy shoulder as you're moving away, and she'll hiss. Do not stay beyond its tail. Once it is done, and you are changed, return here swiftly. Gorilla nod. Grawl strides away. What did the rest of you do? I mean, shouldn't we go? With it? No. Captain oh. Bellwether shakes no. her head. Those who hear the story of the Kotbeyun are only meant to hear it themselves. But, we, should, you know, if, we should make sure that we're ready to go when he gets back. Yeah, or ready to fight. Yeah. Tears up to anything? Okay. Um, I, nope, just... Just doing some research for potential future future things. Okay. So, Grawl. Yes. Moving along this winding path, you move along the trunk of this willow tree. And eventually, you come behind it to a small little alcove that seems to once have been a knothole that has been sort of bored out of the back of this tree into what looks like a, a lounge, honestly. There are throw pillows. There are silken curtains hung up. There is a strange incense that floats through the air. And the Kotbayun is lounging on several of these pillows and pushed up uh, like throw rugs into this weird little nest it has back here. Hmm. Now you roll to seduce. <laughs> uh, it's funny because earlier I was going to say ah yes I'm going to use my uh, perception to smell the rich cinnamon floating through the, <laughs> the fog and, yeah I wasn't going to be super wrong um, no you're okay. not there is the, the 
rich smell of maybe not cinnamon, but it is some kind of herbal stench that floats through the air back here. Yeah. With a, a languid hand, the Kotbeun will gesture towards a small little poof of sofa. And it will say, please sit. Walk over to it, plant my greatsword in the ground, and sit. You're technically in the tree, so there's no ground to like plant your greatsword. Okay, I'll lean it up against the thing. So you leave your greatsword leaned up against one of the walls. No, I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna go sit. Is it a poof like a like a cushion on the floor? Like, or is it like, like an like ottoman chaise lounge. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna let it sit next to like my leg, like resting up against the seat. Okay. Um, it will... The Kotbeun will stare at your sword and say, Please, can't we speak alone? Cool, I'll just, like, snap or do something, and the sword will disappear then. And the Kotbeun will smile and say, Hmm, much better. This story is for your ears, pale one, and no one else's. No need for those strange parasites listening. Hmm? No. The story I have to tell you is an important one. And I don't think it's one you know. Those are always the best stories, don't you think? Shrug. Hmm. Yes. Well. Once upon a time, there was a strong and fierce warlord of the Citadel of Bones. You know this place, don't you? Yes, I think so. He unified the clans. He brought war to the giants. He brought their fortresses in those crackling stormwall mountains low. He brought back hill giants in chains. He brought up the ogres to fight their giant masters. He conquered the terrible, scrabbling tribes of lizard folk and kobolds. He attempted to bring unity to the drylands. This you know, I'm sure. You know his name, don't you? Can't talk. <laughs> and you say that out loud. Well, okay. <gasps> uh, do I look? I'm looking down. Am I? Am I? Uh... Still a gorilla. Okay. Okay. Do, wait. Do I? Do I actually know this? There was a warlord that, uh, who, the last one to possess the piece of armor that you know is your oh, forge yeah. bond. Okay. Do you know that warlord's name? Uh, I don't know if I ever came up with it. Like me. Right. Because it is up to you yeah. to come up with that character's name. So, <sighs> what is that warlord's name? I just want it to be, like, something, like simplistic like Nash or like Ma or something 
How about Grand? That's good. Yes, the warlord Grand. He who pacified the drylands. Who brought the citadel of bone to its greatest height. And who made an enemy of the old mage. Did you know that, hmm? Did you know that it was the machinations of that old wizard that brought Grand low? Hmm. Of course, that old wizard never works by her own hand. That is not her way. No, no. She works through others. There was one, a swordswoman of some renown. From the city she came, like a dancing spark of lightning, moving across those dry sands. Yes, hmm. And of course she found companions along the way. A sturdy hammer from the south, rugged and fierce, forging a flame from hell one day, they would say, but this was before that. Yes, yes. And of course a storm disciple was among them. One of the chained ones, one of those locked away by those writhing snakes. And there was a fourth, of course. One of my own people, strangely enough. We try to stay out of such things, but this one couldn't help himself. Couldn't back away from a challenge. Never fought a foe he could not beat. So proud. So he went as well. And these four went striding, marching, sneaking into your home. And they killed Grand. They killed him and broke his vaunted unity. He would have brought order and might to this valley, wouldn't he, Grawl? Wouldn't he? But no, he had to die. And why, I ask you, why did he have to die? Would he not have passed his armor on to you? Would he not have seen your worth, your power, as the other war chiefs would not? Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what could have been. Such an interesting tale, don't you think? Good story. I thought so. As you nod and look down, you stare at yourself, you see your pale white flesh. I mean, you're naked. Uh, <laughs> all you're wearing is a simple leather cord 
with a scrap of metal dangling from it. We probably should have given you your clothes. Yeah, didn't yeah I didn't think, think about, about that. that. That's fine. <clears throat> but you flex your hobgoblin hands, feeling the tendons tighten in your arms. Hmm. Good to be back. And the Katbayun looks at you expectantly. What is it you want? Hmm. Hmm. You know, I'm not quite sure yet. Great. But I'll let you know when I've decided. Hmm? Is there like a pillow I can grab to put over my my business? <laughs> <laughs> Feeling very exposed right now. Yeah, you could grab a small or uh, or large throw pillow. It's a normal pillow. Okay. <laughs> You grab a perfectly <laughs> average pillow. <laughs> average size pillow. That's a pillow. <laughs> what do you do? Um, grab the pillow, start like waddling towards like the exit, turn back <laughs> to the cat, and just one last thumbs up. And I'll leave. And it smiles at you as you leave. It, it hates to see you go, but it loves to watch you leave. Pale white butt. The rest of you wait, and an hour passes. Corolla didn't feel that long. Mm -mm. But as you come around, the others are sort of standing around a little on edge, not quite sure what uh, to I, do. I was going to say, Tears has actually been pacing since Cham off. Cherish <laughs> has gathered, like, girls' clothes to give to him when he gets out, and they're a little clammy now, after an hour. <laughs> but... Uh, Grawl, did you take your pack and stuff with you when you went to talk to the cop band, or did you leave most of your gear behind? No, I left everything behind. Okay. Um, so, Cherish, give me a perception check. Okay. That is a dirty 20. Yeah. Yes. So as you're waiting around for Grawl and you begin to gather up his clothing, be like, oh, he's probably going to be naked when he comes back here. Um, I'm actually preparing myself for that. <laughs> for the first time since this happened, you take note of the fact that Grawl has two packs, and it strikes you as odd. And when you're kind of rifling through one of them, picking up his gear, um, odds or evens? Odds. Okay. You just take note of the fact that he has a second backpack, and as you're rifling through this one to grab his stuff, you just, it's... It's odd, and the backpack seems very, very familiar as you stare at it. Familiar? Mm-hmm. Like how? 
you can't quite put your finger on it. It's just, it's, it's very, very strange. Can I make another, another kind of roll? Do you want to investigate it? I do. Okay. Give me an investigation roll. Curiosity killed the pine marten. That's how the saying goes. The cot. The cot. (laughs) Uh, Investigation. Uh, That's quite as good. Um, And Reed, quick question for you. Did you consolidate all of the money or did you leave it in this pack? No, I, I left it in the pack. Okay. That's a 15. All right. It's pretty easy to, like, go through the contents of this backpack. You find a very, very familiar uh, dark wooden box that is full of money. You find several jugs of hard cider that smell like they could strip paint. There are loose nails and bits of scrap metal. There are three feathers that appear to be made of silver in this backpack. There is a neatly folded, thick leather apron and a masterwork hammer that is immediately familiar because it belongs to Calcum. (laughs) This is your mother's pack. None of the our auditory listeners can hear this, but Elliot is gobsmacked. Yeah. I'm gobsmacked. Uh. Uh. So you're you're putting all of this together as Grawl comes around the corner and comes out, and you're awkwardly still holding his clothing in under one arm and your mother's forge hammer in the other. And Grawl, as you come around the corner, you see Cherish having pulled apart the second pack. I can explain. I really (laughs) would like you to. Here's Mm -hmm. your clothes. Thank you. Dress first, then explain second. Okay. Tirza has averted her gaze. (laughs) All all Grawl does is just turn around with just his butt facing people, (laughs) drops the pillow and starts changing. He has no shame. Takes a couple minutes. Shimmy and stuff. Okay, okay. I stole it on accident. Okay. Remember when we were still in Stormhaven and the cultist tried to stab me outside? Mm hmm. Okay. And all of our stuff was, was, was piled up by the door. Correct? Yes. Yes. Well, when we needed to go, and I mean, like, go real quick, I reached in, grabbed bags, thinking they were ours, and we ran. Okay. Why has it taken almost 20 days for you to mention that? Kind of forgot. Just got used to it. Figured I'd bring it back when I see Calcon again. Okay. And it's like, found this for you. Okay. Cherish, um, something you would know is that doing some quick math, the money in this bag was all the money Calcon made over the course of the Maker Festival. 
which means it is a large amount of the funds she relies on over the year to, you know, like, eat and pay rent and stuff. Uh, we need... Oh, God, how has she been making it? Um, I need to go home. What? This is... This is... My mother... The Maker Festival is what we use to survive the whole year. She can't make it through the year without this. I'm, I'm sure she's fine. Uh, no. Uh, like, she's very good at her craft. She'll be okay. Carl, you don't understand. I've, I have li lived this life with this woman for, you know, 16-odd years. I know how the year goes and how what our routine is i need to get her this money grawl did you end up spending any of this money a few golds that room was very nice the one time and i'm sure i may have dipped into it slight, slightly and i'm sure cherish knows that i don't know if cherish knows I the exact know amount some yeah. mental math. Well, I I don't I wasn't keeping track of Grawl's funds. But he was spending money like weird. a baller. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know what he gets up to. Oh, you're not so interesting. No, it's more like I don't it's not my problem. <laughs> yep, I think you should go home. That's probably a good idea. Those silver feathers are they like this, like the ones that I have, like vaguely. the one that I have. They seem vaguely. to be of different make, but they are vaguely of the same type. Okay. They seem to be similar items made by different people. Mm -hmm. So I won't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know if one of them would send a message to Kalkin. It would. It, uh, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Shoot. Um Yeah, and I, I'm I'm like this is the, I am now taking charge of this pack as well. Okay. Captain Bellwether is a little nonplussed at this whole scenario. Yeah, right. It's, it's Grawl is returned to his normal honestly, form. Honestly, I think Tirza is I'm very confused. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what's going on. And Stormpiercer simply says Thievery and roguelike behavior. No offense. <laughs> we should leave this place. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's that's more important at the moment. Um, we should go. So you leave. You pack what you may from assorted packs, and leave the the grove of the Katbayun. All the while, there is a low humming that fills the air, now perfectly audible to everyone, that low... seems to be the Katbayun's goodbye as you leave its grove. You are not menaced by any red caps on your way out of this place, and as you make your way out of this large fog-shrouded woodland, you eventually come to, well, at least an edge. You don't know if it's the same one you entered from, 
when you pass the Standing Stone. It looks vaguely familiar, but even Captain Bellwether is a little unsure about precisely where you're exiting. But so long as you keep to the outside of the Katbayun's territory, you should be okay, relatively speaking. Um, but she'll look to all of you a little, like, standing off, because there's clearly some heat going on between all of you. And she'll just, uh, with a question, ask where you're going next. Though she definitely recommends heading back to, heading back to Crescent's Edge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, we're going to head there and then figure out what we're going to do. Okay. So, as you begin your trek away from the lair of the Katbayun, back through the woodlands, back the way you came, some uh, troubling facts now bubbling in the backs of many of your minds. You prepare for what comes next, however you can, but the journey back to Crescent's Edge passes with very little incident. You eventually break the woods and you see the city in the distance, maybe only a, a few hours journey away on your fourth day of travel which is good. You made pretty good time, and you have a whole day's worth of rations left. So, that's nice. And as you exit the woods and begin heading back into the city, uh, Captain Bellwether will pause slightly and stare at all of you. And she says, Before we get back into the city, perhaps... What precisely do you want me telling my people? I have been gone a long time, and while I left some in charge, there are those higher up within the Bark Watch who will want to know the things that were done within these woods. And I don't know if I am prepared to lie to them. Maybe just don't tell the whole truth. Then what do you want me to leave out? Uh, definitely the portal and the giant hand that came through it, for sure. Yes. Um, the gorilla part, definitely. Yeah. I... So that's pretty much all of it. I don't yeah. know, I mean, actually, that you need to... tell a lie. For... Strangers to Crescent's Edge came. They asked for your guidance to help solve the strange occurrence that happened in the Eastwood. And they did. And then they left. Very well. I will leave out the majority of the details then. But Thank you. I would expect some attention from more important members of the Guardian Guilds than myself. Your passage will not have gone unnoticed by many. No offense, but you sort of stand out. Yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah. She is purple. Yeah, I'm purple. But, that being said, has been an interesting time. Thank you for all of your help. 
We probably couldn't have done this without you. I mean, definitely not. It is, given time, it is definitely a story I may tell, though not until I have your leave. Yes, please sign this non-disclosure agreement. Uh, <laughs> I have one drafted. <laughs> so you make your way back into Crescent's Edge, mm -hmm. finding your way to whatever lodgings you may for a brief bit of rest before you break off to whatever comes next. Captain Lucia Bellwether says her goodbyes and goes back to the the Bark Watch outpost here at the edge of the city. As you find what rest you can, contemplating what comes next, we pull away from our four threadless heroes, contemplating everything they've done, what they're going to do next, how the past is beginning to echo into the future, whether they like it or not, or perhaps not echoing quite enough, as some would prefer. We find our way back to that mist-shrouded copse of trees. The Katbeun lounging languidly, picking at the bones of its leftovers. And a figure strides into the center of the grove. Bloody bits of red cap at its at their side their skin is this golden sheen spattered with red there's a grin on their face and the Katbeun will say oh my 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 have you come to hear a story as well how strange to find another threadless so soon And I think it is there that we will end. Mm -hmm. And next time on Material Components, we'll figure out what y'all are doing next. Yeah. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter at MattComRPG. That's spelled M-A-T-C-O-M-R-P-G. We also have an email address, which is MaterialComponentsRPG at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our fans, especially when they are letting us know what they think of all this transplanar nonsense we are getting up to, because I'm enjoying the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have anything they'd like to plug? Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis. Um, I've been doing some character portraits and all kinds of other silly artistic nonsense, so come over and look at that. Just look at it. I very much enjoyed the, the retroverse version of Cherish. That the retroverse me was going around, and I'm, I just can't resist bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, come hang out with me. I'm at cryoutolivia on Twitter. Um, I don't know. Let's let's talk about stuff. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at theredimus. Um, just just send me gifts of gorillas and and stuff like that. That's, <laughs> I, I need more of that in my life. Flood his inbox. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't have a Twitter account. Um, but if you really, really need to get a hold of me, please rate us on iTunes. 
or <laughs> Stitcher Premium or wherever you get your podcasts. And just let me personally know what you think of the podcast. It's the only way to let them know. Right. Yeah. It's true. Otherwise, I'm just sitting in a dark room with no lights on, <laughs> hoping that people <laughs> love this podcast and specifically my character. So. We don't even we don't know what Lisbon looks like. It's, it's true. true. No, I have no idea. Honestly, <laughs> send me a picture. Send me that that picture that your girlfriend uh, drew of Sid, and I will post it on. <laughs> on twitter i because it's I mean, amazing it's it it's certainly... literally what sid looked like <laughs> it's it it could not be more realistic um, yeah okay it puts yeah, what i made to shame <laughs> and of course you can follow me personally on twitter i am at mk gorgoni and if you wish to listen to me ramble on about uh pop culture nonsense you can do so over at my other podcast panel up uh where we have a weekly discussion about pop culture and different topics all over the place i think this week we're uh doing a book club episode talking about the recent uh series uh mr miracle over at dc it's a very very good book by tom king um, and you can also follow Omatep on Twitter at NPC underscore AN, because even if he is not in our episodes proper, he is, of course, an important NPC near and dear to our hearts and our wallets. Mostly that. <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in the meantime, until next time, anyway, the world is chaos. Please be kind to one another. Goodbye, y'all. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.